economists have stated that the tax cut, which is the centerpiece of your economic agenda, could actually harm the economy. Is now really the time to cut taxes? You bet it is. We need to cut taxes for one reason. The American people know how to spend their money better than the federal government does. President, your rebuttal. There it is. What the hell? He's got it. That's the ten-word answer my staff's been looking for for two weeks. There it is. Ten-word answers can kill you in political campaigns. They're the tip of the sword. Here's my question. What are the next ten words of your answer? Your taxes are too high, so are mine. Give me the next ten words. How are we going to do it? Give me ten after that. I'll drop out of the race right now. Every once in a while, every once in a while, there's a day with an absolute right and an absolute wrong. But those days almost always include body counts. Other than that, there aren't very many unnuanced moments in leading a country that's way too big for ten words. I'm the president of the United States, not the president of the people who agree with me. And by the way, if the left has a problem with that, they should vote for somebody else. Thank you very much, and good night. with my headphones. Hold on a second. Did somebody wear them? Now, see, I don't think anybody's... Do I sound different? Does my voice sound different to anybody but me right now? You sound the same. Really? I don't sound... Does it sound my voice sound a little boomier right now? How about the same? I wonder if these are my headphones. Hold on a second. Maybe they're not. Hold on. No, no these are my headphones. All right, there's something really odd happening inside my ear canal then. They feel as though somebody's been wearing them, although I don't think anybody has, because they were locked in a drawer, locked in an office, locked behind a thing, inside another thing, sealed behind a third thing. So, all right, well, what are you going to do? Maybe it's just me. Maybe I've just gone all wonky in the head. Why, hello, it is the uh, Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's uh, 7 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and it's the month of October. In the year of our Lord, 2008, thank you for coming by making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, The Talker. This, my friends, the Rick Emerson Radio Program, an excursion into conversational brilliance uh, and so forth. If you'd like to join us today, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. With your comments, questions, clarifications, predictions, uh, conventions, ruminations, ponderings, uh, observations. Uh, whatever it is you might have today, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah at 970.am. Tim at 970.am. Or Richie with a T at 970.am. Uh, Richie Bristol is standing by as we speak. Ready to pass along whatever it is you might have on this glorious Thursday. 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 All right, so... We are now, what, six minutes? No, that doesn't make any sense. We're six hours, 52 minutes away uh, from tonight's vice presidential debate, which will be carried right here on this very fine radio station, live tonight, 6 p.m., 
Uh, we will be carrying the vice presidential debate uh, with Sarah Palin and Joseph Biden, featuring wraparound commentary by CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop, and running commentary during the actual debate by Tim Riley, myself, and the one and only Storm Large. So uh, that's coming up tonight, kids. It's all very gripping. Okay. Uh, here's what else is coming up today. We'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, who I think has been gone for a while. I guess she's been sort of buckling down and uh, battening the uh, political hatches for tonight. So we'll talk to Lisa Desjardins today. We'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Bob Costantini. I say with a question mark? Yeah. There you go. Uh, and probably not Jim Roop, or are we talking to Jim Roop? We're not talking to Jim Roop. We're talking to Bob and Delisa. All right. But, Bob, but uh, Jim will be anchoring tonight's debate coverage, so you will hear him later this evening when you are undoubtedly shunning all other social activities and all other electronic amusements uh, in favor of the vice presidential debate tonight live right here. 6 p.m. So, uh, let's see. What else is coming up today? We'll do the top five uh, today. Uh, our good friend Big Jim weighs in with his top five teenage uh, angst moping songs. We will talk to Dorothy Carcassari for the National Enquirer. We'll unveil this week's Glorious Bastard of the Week. It is High Concept Thursday. Uh, we'll set up the rules for the Vice Presidential Debate drinking game. Oh, and I have, the, I have the drinking game sounder. Hold on a second. Where did it go? Did I call it drinking game or did I call it ting? I think it's entirely possible that I named it ting. No, I don't think... Apparently, I didn't name it either of those things. Wait. Debate? Drinking? Was it the one I sent you? Yeah. And it was a thing that just went ting. Yeah. I'm fairly sure that I called it ting, and yet here it's not. I'll have to fix it. Well, I'll, I'll find it. Uh, anyway, so we have a little sounder we're going to be playing tonight during the vice presidential debate. What we're going to do is, during today's program, uh, we'll come up with a list of words, phrases, actions, things... Whatever the moments that will happen during the vice presidential debate uh, tonight as the debate is unfolding, in addition to our running commentary, uh, we'll be playing a little sounder whenever one of those moments happens so you all at home can, you know, raise your glasses and so forth. That is coming up tonight. Um, Jesus, there's, there's all kinds of uh, crap. Not so much crap as it is, uh, you know, crap. It's sort of a colloquial crap. Uh, so that is all coming up today. The vice presidential debate, uh, the vice presidential debate is tonight. Uh, this coming Sunday, Mythbusters. Mythbusters behind the scenes. That is this coming Sunday, 2 p.m. at the Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall, hosted by uh, myself. If you haven't gotten your tickets, you got to do that because they're going fast. They're almost gone. you got to go to Ticketmaster.com or the PCPA box office. Get your tickets for Mythbusters Q&A behind the scenes this coming Sunday. And incidentally, because I'm going to be moderating this and I'll be asking some questions. We're getting questions from the audience. Uh, but if you have a question you want me to ask the Mythbusters guys, Jamie and Adam, you can send that to me at uh, rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com if you have a question you want me to ask the Mythbusters hosts this coming Sunday. So it's all very exciting. Oh, we have exciting news on the Timmy T front as well. <laughs> not to be confused with Timmy Ryan, who is not to be confused with Tim Riley. So that's coming up. Uh, Tim uh, Riley is working on the following stories for your edification on this very thrilling and gripping debate Thursday. It is Warner Brothers will make a feature film with Yogi Bear. Searchers have found the wreckage of adventurer Steve Fawcett's plane, but they can't find him. From China with hate. White rabbit candy made in the People's Republic and sold in Oregon as we call because it's making people sick. Then, Nestle's products, which apparently are now made in China, also have been removed in Taiwan. Washington State sex offenders will be tracked by GPS. The same Gresham home has burned down three times. <laughs> A Florida man shoots himself after his girlfriend denies him sex. And, of course, the big debate... It's just hours away. Excellent. All right. By the way, for those playing the home game, the serial killer of the month for October is... Thank you, Alex Trebek voice. Richard Ramirez. I'm sorry, the answer is... Richard Ramirez. 
Uh, there you go. Serial killer of the month for October, Richard Ramirez. It's five. I was going to try to dig up Night Stalker by ACDC, like just, you know, we'll do that tomorrow, though. There's no need to rush. It's 503-733-2970. Also, some notes to get to. Uh, oh, I, I pulled uh, some music beds to use tonight during the debate. Which is sort of like that time, I think it was a few uh, months ago, we were doing the primaries, and we had to go through and find a music bed for some of your election coverage during the primaries. Mm -hmm. And we went through that production disc, and it was all just ludicrous. So I have a separate production disc that I went through last night. Chris Paddock and I were actually just sitting around my office sorting through music, trying to find the appropriate sort of piece of orchestration to accompany tonight's coverage. Uh, But we'll play you some of the cuts that uh, did not make the cut, as it were. We're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello. How are you today? Hello. I'm doing well. Oh, by the way. You're looking lovely. I like that effort. Thank you. Um, by the way, it's Steve tonight, not Jim. Steve. All right. It's a Steve Kestenbaum. Okay. I guess that he's sleeping right now to try and get all peppy for tonight. All right. Debate. So during today's show, Bob Costantini, Lisa Desjardins, tonight doing wraparound for the debate, Steve Kestenbaum. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I'm doing well. I went to my friend's. Um, my friend owns a bar slash restaurant, and it was their anniversary party last night. So I went to that and then hung out with uh, Lisa Wood. And then, yeah, today I'm looking forward to the debate. That's all I can think about. So and now, what are you going to be doing tonight? being depornified right now because somebody can't keep it in their <laughs> pants while they're at work. So that's just I wasn't going to say that. So it can't be a lady, can it? No, there, there are 47 viruses on my computer. Why none of they... which are attached to my username. It's attached to somebody else's username who uses this computer. Wait, let's back up for a second. First of all, to Tim's point, I don't think ladies have any choice but to keep it in their pants. I mean, really, unless you're designed much differently than I was led to believe in health class, or unless you've had some sort of an accident. I do believe that keeping in your in your pants, or at least in the relative vicinity of your pants, is probably the only option open to most women who are ladies from birth. That would just be my read on the situation. Britney Spears couldn't keep it in her pants. That is true. So, uh, so did you come in this morning and your computer just was running real slow, or it was just... No, I came in and it was already um, rebooted, and they're already running this virus scan program, and Tim Riley told me that Troy came in and told him that my uh, computer has 47 viruses because people are downloading things that are not myself. Now, by things, do you mean anime porn? Yes. Just be honest. Like, yeah, they're downloading porn onto the computer, in turn, like, infecting the entire thing with viruses, so it has 47 of them. So it's still scanning. It's been going for 86 minutes. All right, then. And it's still scanning it. All your emails just have some outgoing attack with like a tentacle guy. Oh God! Yeah. Right. I don't even want to think well, about that's it. Well, that's great. Uh, so, where are you going to be watching the debate tonight? I'm going over to Lisa Wood's house tonight. All right. Uh, me and my friend Heather, and then we're going to watch with Lisa and her husband. You're going to so drink and make merry. Drink and make merry, and Lisa's husband's a, um, a chef too, so he's going to make us all kinds of delicious snacks, and we're going to bring some Trader Joe's red wine over, and it'll just be fun for all. Hey, can I just tell you, speaking of Trader Joe's red wine, so I went home the other day, and uh, I don't. I realize that I sometimes make my wife sound like a lush. But, you know, what are you going to do? I'm just a... Look, I I report, you decide. I mean, I try to be bold. I can't just uh, fabricate things or well, cover up the truth. Swill and, you know, she's... Flagging. Yeah, yeah. Well, so here's another one. Box of wine. So I went home about three nights ago, and she was making dinner. And, you know, sometimes we eat together, sometimes we don't because we have, you know, this weird schedule. And we don't have any kids, so screw it. I don't have to be home. I can, I can stay out all night if I want. I'm a man out on the open road, independent, under the open sky. Uh, but I'll go home and occasionally, you know, she'll, she'll make dinner and because she just enjoys. I lucked into somebody who kind of enjoys making dinner. Like, I don't have to do some whole thing of, like, woman, you, you're falling down in your wifely duties. Uh, I will go home and she's just in the kitchen kind of cooking something up, which is great. But so she was making, it was like some low, low-key Italian thing. And with that, of course, red wine. So she gone to, she gone to, and I don't mean to knock Trader Joe's, it's a great place. I spend a lot of money there. Uh, but she had gone to Trader Joe's and she brought home this box of wine. And, of course, if you see somebody drinking out of a box of wine, I mean, look, maybe box wine has come a long way since you were drinking a gallon of it a night in college or something, but it, 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 it's like 
especially as somebody who is sort of an entertainer for a living, you're just obligated to make a joke about it. You just can't not. You can't. It is just part of the comedian imperative. You can't see someone drinking wine out of a box and not poke a little bit of fun. That's that's just the way the world works. Kookamunk is a funny word. Box wine is an amusing beverage. That's, that's just the rules of the game. I, I, I didn't create these rules. I just live by them. So I go into the kitchen, and she's... And I catch her at the best possible moment in terms of box wine, where she's got a glass, by the way, not even a wine glass, because they're all dirty. It is, in fact, just a big water glass. And I do believe it's a water glass that had Muppets on the side of it. So she's got, like, the Muppets Take Manhattan water, water like, drinking glass underneath the box wine. Wow. And, and I catch her in mid-fill, right? So she's there, and I, I walk in, and there's my wife in the kitchen, box of wine sitting on the stove, and she's got the Muppets drinking glass, and right, right the glass. I mean, what is? How can you not comment on that? So I just said, "Hey, you, uh, you are, you are one fine, sophisticated lady." And she just kind of looked at me and she said, "This is her quote." She said, "No, no, 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 no. This is the gourmet boxed wine." And then she went back to filling it up again. And I think I don't really know enough about wine to sort of challenge her on that point. So I'm just going to put that out there with any observation. Y'all can draw your own conclusions. Uh, uh, you know, it doesn't matter the package that it comes in. It's what's, in, what's inside that counts. And. And by inside, you mean the alcohol inside the wine. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's just, look, i got to tell you, I'm not going to lie about this. Caffeine, uh, my coffee is just uh, an, a caffeine delivery system. That's really all it is. I mean, we talk a lot about Viso and how it tastes great and whatever. Coffee does not taste great. And I have no illusions about that. It's like smoking doesn't taste good. Smoking doesn't taste good. Coffee doesn't taste good. Now, here's the thing. Over your lifetime, over the, the span of a few years, the Pavlovian relax, uh, re reaction of your body to the chemical can sort of, retrain you to the point that it tastes good? In other words, if I wake up in the morning though and I pour myself a big cup of coffee, it does taste good, but it's not because there's anything actually aesthetically pleasing about the taste of coffee. It's because the taste of the coffee and the reaction of my body to the caffeine have become so inextricably woven together that my body now views that brackish, horrible, bitter taste that coffee has as good. Just like a cigarette. I mean, isn't that like the taste of beer? I think so, because I mean, because I mean, look, if we're all going to be honest, the first time anybody here opened a beer and just, well, I'm going to drink this. This looks fantastic. Hold on. And you open it up when you crack open a beer and you drink it. Uh, you know, and maybe maybe you like it. Maybe you don't. But I'm saying many things as you grow up. Uh, these things, you sort of develop a taste for them. Just like you develop a reverse taste for other things. And this is the final observation I'm going to make about taste before we sort of plunge on ahead. It's like cereals and sugared things for children. There are lots of things as kids that you will eat that either once you get to be an adult, uh, you just sort of say, you know, you go, I, 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 I don't understand why I ever found that good. You know what I mean? Like, what was, what was the point of that? Uh, like uh, marshmallow Fruit Loops, which they now sell at the store. I cannot possibly imagine the appeal of marshmallow Fruit Loops. I mean, just thinking, about, just looking at it on the shelf in the cereal aisle at Safeway, uh, it just makes my teeth itch even to ponder it. But you know, when you're a kid, nothing is too sweet, nothing is too flavorful, nothing has too much flavor in it, and so you turn into Calvin just eating bowl after bowl of chocolate frosted sugar bombs, and that's just fine with you. So. In any event, I don't know what my point here was. Boxed wine, something, Sarah drinking tonight, VP debate. Oh, final note about uh, tonight's vice presidential debate. Then we'll talk about some other notes. Then I'll talk about these coffee stir sticks, which are right here in my hand. Um, in case anybody wonders why we talk so much about Sarah Palin, why we talk so much about the vice presidential debate tonight, why this program seems to have been consumed by a discussion of the Alaskan governor over the last week or so, I mean, it's not because you've fallen into some wormhole and you've landed in bizarro world where we do nothing but talk about current affairs every day. It is because 
this has now reached such epic proportions in terms of hype and anticipation and buzz. Do you know this? I was, I was driving around downtown yesterday, and I saw three, in the course of about, uh, I don't know, probably a two-mile drive through downtown, I saw three different bars that had on their reader board outside vice presidential debate live here tomorrow night. Kelly's Olympian was one of those places. Not a plug, I'm just making the observation. I drove by Kelly's Olympian. It was normally a place where it's just a bunch of dirtbag rockabilly guys and people drinking cheap booze. Uh, but they, they, wasn't, they didn't talk about bands. They didn't talk about specials. They didn't talk about food. The only thing that Kelly's Olympian reader board said last night was vice presidential debate live tomorrow. That's it. So, I mean, it is. we are living in strange times. We really are. All right, let's see, what else? Uh, well, I'll talk Timmy T here in just a second. Let me make this observation about coffee stir sticks. I don't know how this works at your place of business, but we drink a lot of coffee here. We have a lot of coffee cups, a lot of creamer, and then we have these little wooden things. I mean, they they look like they look like really big, blunt-ended toothpicks, basically. Or maybe, maybe not even that. They look like squared-off, skinny tongue depressors. That's what these are. And I think these are the same ones they have at, like, a Starbucks or whatever. But, I mean, they're basically just big, long, skinny, blunt-ended, uh, blunt-ended tongue depressors. And so this is what we use to stir the coffee here. And we ran out. And so Dave Zinn, I think, had to order more. So we get this box. And it's impossible to describe how weird-looking this is. Just a box of 1,000 coffee stir sticks. And a 1,000 of them. And these are made, and it says in huge letters, made in China. First of all, because it's made in China, they have to note that they're made out of wood and not made out of, like, the bones of dissidents that have been formed into an oblong shape. They're made in China. This right here is why we're falling behind. This is why the American economy is in tatters and ruins and cinders and a husk of itself right now. Have you noticed that we live in the middle of a goddamned forest? I mean, I think I speak for everybody when I say, if you look outside, you see trees. Lots of trees. Thousands of trees. Skillions of trees. We are buying coffee stir sticks made out of wood from China. How much, could it, how much effort could it take to make a stir stick out of a tree? Your average tree probably make a billion stir sticks out of that. I mean, I can't even imagine how much it costs to import these and then to have them shipped here. Right, because there were no trees in China. It just make, it makes no sense at all. So, anyway. So Sarah was asking what the machine looks like that makes these stir sticks in China. And my observation, which was so funny, I'll repeat it now, is that the machine looks very much like an underfed Chinese man who's being paid eight cents an hour. So there you go. That's why the American economy can't compete right now, kids. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, well, let me do these notes, then we'll talk about Timmy T, uh, creator of the number one hit from 1991, One More Try. Um, this observation about candy corn. Have you noticed this, that over the last two years, at your office, they start to, and boy, is the office just the thing that undercuts everybody's diet and your attempt to say svelte through the fall or what? I mean, as you hit October, then you go right into November and December, any diet you had, any attempt to, to lose weight, any oh, yeah. attempt you had to, to regain any kind of health over your body, that is absolutely and completely counterbalanced by all of the crap that they stick on whatever the community coffee table is, like at your workplace. You know, somebody's always bringing in, like, cinnamon rolls or Christmas cookies or fudge or candy or something. And now since Halloween is an official holiday, and it's, the economy depends on it, right. it's so big that the holiday season does start with Halloween now. It used to be Thanksgiving, then a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving, and now it's all the way back to Halloween. Absolutely. So it stretches from Halloween till after New Year's. And the Halloween preparations now start in September. I mean, and everybody makes that point. You know, every year Christmas seems earlier. But a bit of it, even Halloween now. They started selling Halloween stuff like three weeks ago. 
You go to those stores, those holiday stores at the mall, it's just nothing but uh, you know, nothing but plastic skulls and black cats, as far as the eye can see. So that trickles down to the workplace, where now upstairs there are huge, big, like three-pound tubs of candy corn. And candy corn, and that's kind of my kryptonite in many ways, because I'm not much of a candy uh, fan. Uh, I am not the candy fan, and so I can typically exercise self-control. Candy corn, though, I have a real weakness for. But over the last two years, they've started doing this thing where they mix in an equal amount of candy corn, dry roasted peanuts. Now, I don't know when they started. They didn't do that when I was a kid. They didn't do it even like five years ago. Well, that's healthy candy corn eating. See, <laughs> see but that's the lie you tell yourself, right? <laughs> That's a good, no, it's got to be good for me. It's equal parts candy corn and peanuts. Peanuts can't possibly. I mean, peanuts, which are basically just fat shaped into an oval and baked. I mean, that's all it is, man. Don't get me wrong. I like to eat some peanuts now and again, but let's not have this illusion that they're healthy. So you go up there, and it's just a huge thing of candy corn and dry roasted peanuts. And all day long, you just see fat-ass Americans, myself among them, going by, and just your hand like some sort of a, your hand like some sort of a, some sort of a, a ditch-digging machine going down, picking up the big mouthful of candy corn, into the, and then you can just feel your ass growing as the day goes on. Here's another thing they've started doing. They've started taking peanut riddle, and I talk about this every year in the hopes that somebody will buy it and send it to me. They do this thing now where they take peanut brittle and they blend it together in the pre-baking stage with cookie dough. And then you have cookie brittle, which Jolie gave me a couple years ago. And it's like the best thing ever made. I do believe it is a peanut butter cookie dough blended together with peanut brittle when it's still like in its pupa stage. And then they cook it and they hammer it out into pieces. It's the best thing ever. All right, a couple notes uh, from last night. Let's see. Well, I'll do a couple Sarah Palin notes here because she was on CBS last night. We have that clip going to play. Oh, God. Did you see that clip of her on CBS last night talking about the Supreme Court decisions? No. As my wife said, my wife said you go through several different stages, like the five stages of grief. There are the five stages of watching Sarah Palin answer a question. Sort of befuddlement, incredulity, irritation, being astounded then being embarrassed for her, then being gleeful about the fact that she's just choking and eating it so badly on television, and then you go back to being embarrassed for her. And then you drink more red wine, if you're my wife. Uh, so that was, a, that was a moment again last night that was just... It was all you hoped that it would be, but it was just as cringe-inducing as we all anticipated. Um, so I have one question and one topic, and then we'll probably uh, break here. Uh, my observation is this. Somebody really ought to do a piece, and if I was a better writer, if I were a better writer, was, were. Hmm. Uh, if a better writer were I, then I would do this myself, but I, I don't have the ability. Because I was watching the Sarah Palin thing last night, and I said to myself, I, uh, and then I said out loud, I said, you know, I just wish George Carlin was here to see this. I just wish, with all of his thoughts on just the decline and fall of the American empire, and his general observations about the inherently stupid nature of humans, all humans, from both sides of the aisle, from every political party and persuasion, from all walks of life. I wish George Carlin was here to see this election unfold. I wish George Carlin could see Sarah Palin talking on television. I mean, just with all my heart. And then it triggered a whole line of those thoughts. You know, I wish Tim Russert were still here. I mean, Tim Russert obviously is more of a serious journalist, but, you know, that guy was obviously just a political junkie through and through. That guy lived for the game. And I mean, they, I don't mean they'd be all like, you know, you know, overly melodramatic about it or whatever, but I mean, it just, it does pain me 
that Tim Russert is not here to see the most exciting election probably that we've ever had. I mean, pro- I mean I'm going to say right now it's probably the most exciting election yeah. ever, at least in the last century. Yes. And the fact that Tim Russert died and wasn't able to see it just it does give me there's a special kind of a special kind of poignance to that. Um, and then thirdly, you know, the third part of this hat trick is, you know, if only Hunter Thompson was here to see it. Hunter Thompson, a guy who wrote one of the best books about campaigning ever, ever, 26 years ago, Fear and Loathing 72 on the campaign trail, uh, which even now is held up as one of the definitive examples of campaign journalism. Uh, the, the, the idea that George Carlin and Tim Russert and George uh, uh, and Hunter Thompson are not here to see this campaign, and it's just, you know, it is, it is not fair. It really is quite unfair, both to them and to us. So somebody needs to do a magazine article. New Yorker, I'm looking at you. Somebody needs to do a magazine article in which it is a theoretical roundtable discussion in the afterlife between Hunter Thompson, Tim Russert, and George Carlin about this political uh, season. Somebody, somebody needs to do it just so I can read it, all right? So somebody who can write, get on that. Uh, let's see. Final thing, this is a question, then we'll, uh, then we'll break. Oh, and uh, we're going to ask people's uh, input on whether we should book this guest. Um, final thing. Lycus did the most brilliant hour yesterday. Tom Lycus wears on this very fine radio station, 3 to 7. Uh, tonight he will be preempted by one hour for the debate. But he did the most brilliant hour. I, I, I mean, you know, Lycus, obviously, he knows his stuff backward and forward. And every now and again, that guy will come at you from an angle you didn't quite expect. And it's just it's astounding. And at the risk of, again, making what seems to be just a, a broad, sweeping, melodramatic generalization, it was another thing that, just as a listener to this station, I don't mean to be all about the glory of us, there was an hour yesterday that really, I sat and just listened to it, just divorcing myself from the fact that I work here. As a listener, and I thought, God damn, this station is great. You know? F everybody who's not us. Because he had, I think, in the 5 o'clock hour, a woman called Lycus. They were talking about the, uh, about the election. And a woman, a white woman, called up. And she said, hey, uh, Tom, I'm a white woman. She said, and she did this great confession. She almost whispered it. She said, she goes, Tom, I, every time I see one of my black coworkers, I always want to ask them, like, so, you know, Frank, you're black. What do you think of Barack Obama? And she said, you know, I don't think I can do that. It's inappropriate. And Tom said, no, you, you know, that's in the workplace. You probably shouldn't do that. That's, that's inappropriate. And no, you can't do that. And then he paused and he said, but I can. And the whole next hour, the 6 o'clock hour of Lycus yesterday, it was, uh, he took only, uh, he took uh, just black callers all hour, 6 or 7. And he would start every call by saying, you know, whatever their name was. He would go, and uh, Jack, say, Jack, you're black. What do you think of Barack Obama? And then they would give their input one way or the other. And then he would move on to the next one. Hey, Helen, you're black. What do you think of Barack Obama? So what was the majority? And it was just, you know, they were all over the place. You know, they, you know they, they, some of them liked him, some of them didn't. Some of them thought the campaign was great. Some of them thought, you know, that there were, uh, you know, other politicians would have been better. But it was a really great hour. And it was one of the great things about talk radio when it's done honestly. You know, that it's just where it, it addresses thoughts that people have, sometimes things that you can't necessarily ask out loud or talk about in our sort of overly repressive society, discussions that maybe you can't have with other people. Uh, it really was a great moment for radio and for talk radio and for this station. And I don't mean to be all about, like, we're so much better than everybody else, but, I mean, it, it's not like you're going to hear goddamn Lars doing that or something. I mean, he couldn't, and there's no way he could. You know? There's no way he could do it. He could not. And Tom can do that kind of thing, and he did it flawlessly, and it was a fantastic hour of radio. And I sat there listening to this station, AM 970, 
last night, and I just thought to myself, you know, this is, as much as we sometimes get criticized for people who think that we criticize the liberals too much or we criticize conservatives too much or we're too nihilistic about the whole thing or we're just, you know, that we don't hew to one side of the aisle or another. Uh, it, it was an hour like that last night that you really do realize that talk radio, when it is done again, honestly and sincerely, man, it just, it really does, it really does form a, a, a very much a community where you're sitting there listening to the radio and realizing you are hearing an actual conversation that you probably couldn't have anywhere else. You probably couldn't hear anywhere else. So, so anyway, and that was, uh, so go, go Tom, go us. That was, uh, it was a great moment. So, sort of related to that, but not really. I, I had already been sort of thinking about whether we should have a discussion with, like a high concept thing with just women about what they think about how Joe Biden should talk to Sarah Palin tonight. So I think we might do that a little later on. Not a whole hour, like one segment maybe. Because my wife last night, and I think we're just going to go right into, is this Lisa? All right, we're going to go right into Lisa here in a moment because I've run over time with all my rambling about how great we are. But we were watching last night, and they were having for the billionth time some tedious person coming on and going, well, Joe Biden faces a real unique series of challenges tonight because Sarah Palin is a delicate flower who has to be sheltered from reality, and Americans are idiots who will respond badly if he treats her like anybody else. And my wife, actually, who was a woman's studies uh, minor, my wife just threw down the remote, and she said, that is such bull ass. <laughs> she like stomped off to wait for it. You do make her sound like an angry drunk woman. This week, she's the last couple of weeks. I got to tell you, she's been really not necessarily even angry, just very frustrated. She does drink, uh, but she's been really frustrated. And she said, you know, just treat her like anybody else. That was my wife's thing. She goes, God damn it, she's a woman. She's not like you know, she's not autistic. So uh, you know, so I think maybe we might do a, a bank of calls later just from women about how should Joe Biden treat Sarah Palin tonight. Because I don't buy into this crap that he's got to somehow tiptoe around her as though she's made out of China. I mean, that's just, uh, what is the technical term? That's stupid. All right. Uh, is this Lisa? All right, we'll go right into this. We'll take a break. Uh, Tim Riley coming up later on all that. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show on the Hill. CNN radio correspondent to the stars, Lisa Desjardins. Hello there. From I guess more from the arch today. Uh, where are you? Are you in, uh, you are in St. Louis. I am in St. Louis. So sitting uh, right next to Jim Roop. Hello, Jim Roop. Hey, they say hello, Jim Roop. Yo. He says yo. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, okay, so you been, have you been uh, vacationing or prepping or building up your momentum? What have you been yeah, doing? Yeah, you know, actually, I think it, it's, again, the problems with the prep sheet. You know, like, I've actually been available, but they don't put me on the morning prep sheet because, you know, I'll get on a plane and, and I, we flew to St. Louis yesterday. But, you know, I was here during your show, and I, almost, I was almost like... But then I, then I felt like you would think I was a groupie if I emailed you and be like, Rick, I'm available. You know, so I... I, uh, I well, I well first of all, then they are dead to me uh, <laughs> if we're not putting you on the list. And, uh, you know, you can always let us know. I, I don't want to get you in trouble with a man. Okay, uh, okay. But, you know, if there's something... I will put it this way. If there's a day where there's something you feel like maybe has happened late enough in the day that it wasn't on the prep sheet or we need to know right, about it or right. something you feel needs to be, you know, mentioned or said, always feel free to, uh, to contact us. But uh, I'll let you... I will let you find your own way there because I don't want to get you in trouble with uh, with the powers that with be. With the man, yeah. That's what I'm saying. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. So here's a dumb question. Uh, how high are the stakes for tonight? Uh, you know, it, it's the classic debate scenario. I, I don't think anyone can can win, but 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 there's huge stakes uh, for potential loss. I, I, although I think that 
I don't think Joe Biden can mess up as much as Sarah Palin can. You, because because really? she's, she's more of an unknown. And, and, and Joe Biden, you know, people kind of know that he, he can get goofy. Well, he can be long-winded. Uh, yeah. He can go on and on and on. And he does have a tendency to be a little uh, brusque sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Which is, uh, you know, but which I don't really have a problem with. But they seem to, th- they seem to think that people don't like that. And I... I don't know that that's true. I think Americans are ready for a guy, and I know this sounds like a cliche because everybody already claims to be this guy, but I think Americans are ready for a guy who just says, look, man, like, here's how it is, and that's, right. ju- that's just a fact, and you're, everybody's going to have to be okay with that. Yeah, you know, and I think people, the truth is, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm right with your wife. I'm right with Laura about this. The, everyone's saying the same things over and over. To me, you know, I think anything can happen tonight, but you got to look at their most recent performances in debates. And the truth is, Joe Biden did great in the Democratic debates. Uh, those debates that we were at, Rupe and I were just talking about this, people walking out of those auditoriums when Biden was debating, he was the guy they were talking about. I certainly thought that. He did very well. But the problem is that didn't help him at the polls. You know, it didn't really, it didn't really kind of uh, put him back into the, into the driver's seat. So, you know, he, he may create some good favorable impressions for himself if he can have that kind of performance again. Sarah Palin, same thing. She actually, uh, and the campaign isn't going to put these numbers out there, she did more than 20 debates in about the two months before uh, before the debate, before the gubernatorial election right. in 2006. Right. So she, and she did very well. You look at those debates, she was good on her feet. Uh, she still has this kind of, the manner of talking that we're, we're used to from her now. But, um, you know, I, I think this could be a good debate. The format, however, does not lend itself to it being what you want, uh, which is, you know, fiery and feisty. I, uh, yeah, I would like to see uh, that everybody gets, uh, you know, it's like that, uh, what is the thing? What is the uh, what is the uh, uh, example I'm looking for? It's like in Casino when uh, De Niro catches the guy stealing the money, and he says, you know, uh, with the uh, what he's got the computer or something, and he's he's cheating at blackjack, and De Niro says, you can either take the money and the hammer, or you can leave now and never come the f back. And it's like he tells the guy basically, you can keep the money, but I get to smash your hand with his hammer. I think they ought to get that. I think it can be like, look. You can either have an additional five minutes to talk, or you can go over and just body check the other person once. You know? <laughs> I'd like to see that. But, you know, I think it's going to be a little... I think Sarah Palin, she's good at the kind of little, like, little digs, you know, witty ways of going after, kind of sarcastic ways of going after her opponent. Right. Um, and and I, think, I think we're going to hear that. But the issue is she may direct it uh, as much at Obama as at Biden. And I think they're both going to play this game of, you know, going after the, the presidentials when they're really going after each other. You know the truth is, I think I think the body the body language may be the most interesting thing to watch. Who is more uncomfortable on stage from their body language? That's what I'm looking for. Well, I, I will say this: you've heard a lot of people this week saying, "Well, you know, she's gonna she's gonna fold and she's a disaster." And uh, and these are um, I will simply say this is what I have heard some other people say. Other people have said, "Well, she doesn't seem very bright." Some people have said she seems flat out goofy. You know, all of this. But the thing could is, work to her advantage. You know, could, that could all work well, to her advantage. And here's what people need to remember. Uh, and this is a thing. You know, sometimes I'm just sort of kind of guessing at stuff, or I sort of know stuff, or I have a layman's knowledge. Here's something that I'll tell you. I know what a debate is. All right. Uh, as I have talked about this ad infinitum, I know what a debate is. I know uh, what a debate format is. These are not debates, and this is why Sarah Palin right. is dangerous tonight, right. because this is not a debate. You know what this is? This is a series of mini-speeches. That's all it is. Now, they can yeah. call it a debate. They can call it an argument. They can call it a back and forth, but it's not that. It's a series of miniature speeches, and Sarah Palin gives good speeches. She really does. 
And so this idea that it's somehow going to be bad for her because it's a big face-off isn't really true. It's just a bunch of miniature orations. And at that, I think she's going to do pretty well. Yeah, I, I think it's true. I think they, they're both going to have some strong moments tonight. I, I'm interested to see if either one of them, what I'm hoping in terms of interaction is that they do some kind of strange, almost verbal gymnastics, you know, you know, if I were to ask a question, my question for the other campaign would be, right, right. blah, 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 you know, and kind of put it out there without actually asking it, but sort of force their hand and it, maybe there can be some awkward kind of swipes that way. Um, I'm not sure. I, I think she is going to be tested on the economy, and you can bet as much as two weeks ago she was studying up on her foreign leaders and foreign policy, everyone was questioning that. The last week, the big question has definitely been on the economy for right. everybody, but, but that's where she really had a problem with the Katie Couric interview, and, and, and you can bet that she has been... Yeah, that's where she had the really, problem. And, and, and her tactic is going to say, hey, I have a mortgage, I, and we've heard this the last couple of days, I have a mortgage, we've had trouble with health care, you know, we're regular Joes here, <laughs> no pun intended, but, you know, we... that And it would be interesting to see how much she tries to throw in, um, hey, here's some... Big knowledge that I have, you know, throw in some facts, throw around some, you know, names and say mark to market or something like that. <laughs> was, and how much of it will just be very general, I'm just like you guys. There was the most surreal moment on CNN last night when Babe Buchanan, who is just a loathsome woman, um, <laughs> and, I, and I don't say that because of her politics. I love Pat Buchanan. Pat Buchanan is one of my favorite people. Uh, I, that guy is fantastic. But, uh, but she is, as in my opinion... I don't mean the dog CNN. She is as useless and pointless and uninformed and ridiculous as as Pat Buchanan is brilliant. And she actually said last night, Sarah Palin shouldn't try to look like an authority. I mean, because God forbid you try to look like an authority on anything when you're marketing yourself to the people. Uh, a couple things. One, I swear to God, I'll kill myself if Joe Biden at any point says, take it from a real Joe six-pack. I know. That'd be terrible. That would be also, bad. they ought to start throwing some, watch for it, elbows in the lane and what they really need to do is they need to just start throwing out those little factoids that will make america dislike the other person joe biden needs to point out that sarah palin is in fact a millionaire for one thing she is in fact a millionaire right which needs to be mentioned uh sarah well, but, palin I mean, she'll say you know her husband's her husband's business all you know well, i mean so, she might talk about her salary as being governor of alaska as you know as being less than most politicians in you know what but if he can get that out there if he can get out there and say like look you know you know sister you know you you're worth a million bucks your family are millionaires so don't like peddle this crap to me that you're <laughs> middle american uh he should say that she though should go right after this like are you gonna like tell us another lie about your plane being shot at in iraq you know, because, yeah. of course, he has the thing of his helicopter being forced down by the weather, which right. he left out. And he was making it, Joe Biden, let's be honest, <laughs> making it sound as though he was taking incoming fire when it was like just that there was snow. That's just, a, yeah, it's so, ridiculous, right. Um, that's the kind of stuff that is really going to be before effective. before Hillary Clinton, right. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, that's the stuff that's going to work. Uh, or her mentioning his claim that FDR was on television uh, talk, know. You know, giving a fireside oh. chat. And talking about the right when the depression started. Yeah, I mean that's the kind of stuff that's really going to work tonight. It's uh, everything else. I got to tell you, if they st if they go back to this business that it was the, the presidential debate of going five questions back and forth about will you or will you not have preconditions before you meet with somebody from another government. I mean that's when people at home just start to you know. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, One thing yeah. Uh, people might ask, I don't know if this is everyone was going to say this, but um, apparently Palin's going to have a big band aid. On one of her hands because she uh, fell and, and scraped it up yesterday while she was jogging. So that's really? what that's about. Yeah. All right. uh, let's see. Um, well, I hesitate to ask this, but I'll, I'll ask it Go anyway. It. And if, if it makes you, if you don't wish to answer this, I understand. Okay. What do you think about 
this business that they have a moderator who's already got a book deal to write a thing about Obama. Or right. a book that well, in, in, lar- right. in large degree has Obama as a player in the book. Right. I mean, it, it is tricky because on the, I think the best argument that Republicans have is that she has a stake in him winning. You know, that obviously her book could, could sell more if he becomes president and it's due to come out on Inauguration Day. All of that, almost like she expects him to win, Republicans would say. Um, but, you know, those who work with her, because I have friends who work with her directly, say, no, you know, they, she thinks the book's going to sell just as much if he loses. You know, like, right. what happened to Obama? How is it this guy didn't win? Um, and, and, and they do point out that all we know about the book basically is its, it's subject that's about race and Obama, uh, what, what he's done, how he's gotten there, that kind of thing. Um, and, and we don't know anything more, you know, so we don't really know, does she say anything that's biased, does she not, you know, who, who knows? It and, does appear to have, I will say this, I mean, uh, look, I, it does seem to have the appearance of impropriety, which is just as bad as actual impropriety. I, it, it, does nobody vet anybody yeah, I anymore? I mean, it makes no sense. I mean, and this is exactly the kind of thing. Uh, that makes people go, well, look, liberal media, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's no way that I would ever hire a moderator who already had some kind of financial stake, one way or the other, in the outcome of Barack Obama's campaign. That's just, you just don't do that, I think. You know, I I think that um, there's a real split on the Eiffel factor, and I think she's going to have, I mean, this puts a lot more pressure on her than there certainly was before. You know, she she did the VP debate last time. Uh, you know, I, I think she is definitely, if if... She's a, she's a potential scapegoat or or real issue if the Republicans don't have a good night tonight yeah. with Sarah Palin and and it's definitely out there. Is... I, you know I I do think that however um, it's the I the the thing that you know this is political is that it's her, this book has been we've known about this for months and months. Right, right. So if the McCain camp had a real problem here. They could have raised it and tried to get a different moderator. No, but no, but see, but that's not, but that, but exactly, that's what I'm saying. You know, and they, I, but they kept yeah. they kept it in their back pocket. Yep. Uh, yep. They kept it in their back pocket deliberately, and they waited uh, yep. until what it 36 hours like. ago. Yeah, yeah, no, they they put it out just so they could, uh, you know, again, it's 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 an excuse before the fact if she does poorly. Uh, you know, because they timed it to have the maximum impact, which is why Republicans always win everything, <laughs> because they're so much better at this. Than Dem- Democrats, if Democrats, if the situation had been reversed, the Democrats would have screamed about it six months ago, and it would have given them no advantage. The Republicans had the discipline to wait and release it now when it helps them the most. So, I mean, right there, they had a microcosm. That's why Democrats are, uh, that's why they're lame, Lisa. Let's just follow <laughs> what it is. All right, uh, are you on tomorrow? Yeah, I'll be, well, I'm <clears> traveling <throat> tomorrow, so I don't I don't know my schedule exactly. I think I, uh, I don't know. I think I can talk to you after I land in D.C. Well, let me put it this way. We would love to speak with you if that great. works on your end. Okay, great. All right, uh, so, uh, and you're, are you and Jim both doing anchored coverage tonight? Um, we are. Jim is going to be in the spin room, which I'm personally okay. very excited about. Because we're carrying the CNN long-form coverage. Oh, that's great. He'll be, he'll be, um, we're going to come to him after the debate um, in great. the spin room with everybody saying that they won. Cool. So I'm excited. All right. Thank you, and we'll talk to you soon, Lisa. Okay, great. All right, there Bye. you go. Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. Wonderful. Excellent. All right. It's <sighs> very exciting. Uh, we'll talk to Bob Costantini here in a second. What, a couple minutes, right? Something? Yeah, no, All right. Uh, well, let's see. Okay, so there's that. Uh, I have something else I was going to talk about before we plunge on into uh, talking to Bob Costantini, but now I don't even remember what it was. And is that him? Must be. Well, darn. Oh, it was this Timmy T thing. Well, I'll have to get to that. Did Richie get on that? Um, yes and no. It's sort of a funny story. Okay. Uh, I was walking around yesterday with a thing written on the piece of paper and on it. It was written Timmy T. Um, we should play that song, by the way, at some point so people know what we're talking about. And Chris Petty goes, he, he just pointed at it. He didn't even ask me a question. He pointed at it, and he looked at me as if to go, huh? 
And I said, don't ask. It's a long, it's a long story. Um, so we'll talk about the Timmy T thing. Don't forget tonight, 6 p.m., uh, the vice presidential debate uh, with wraparound coverage by CNN and then a running commentary by Tim Riley, Storm Large, and myself. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Washington, D.C., CNN radio correspondent Bob Costantini. Hello, Rick. Hi, Bob. How are you today? Oh, very good. Uh, all right. So excited about tonight's debate. All right. On a scale of one to nine, how excited are you? Uh, about uh, eight. Okay. Fair Being enough. A political kind of guy. All right. No, it's. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you this: just from your uh, objective assessment as a uh, you know, as a person who covers politics and current events, your objective viewpoint. Um, what is the one sentence of advice? that you would give each debater? In other words, in terms of how the momentum is going or how it's not going, what they really need to do. What is their job tonight on each side? Well, I think Sarah Palin in particular is going to have to show that she is potentially up to the job of being president. Um, we've seen with the interview with uh, Katie Couric where she had trouble remembering any kind of Supreme Court uh, decision that she, uh, she found objectionable beyond Roe versus Wade. Um, and, uh, you know, those are the things, and, and you can argue whether that was a gotcha kind of question, but, you know, what magazine she reads, those right. sorts of things that had caused her so much uh, uh, trouble in the past couple of days as these excerpts keep being released, um, she's going to have to show she's more of a heavyweight, if you will, uh, whereas Joe Biden is going to have to make sure that he isn't going to – uh, spout off with something that he might regret, uh, not necessarily directed at Palin, but something uh, uh, that uh, would be memorable right. uh, for his no uh, no sound bites, no sound bites, no mistakes. Uh, yes, and um, I, yeah, you have to think that the, uh, the McCain people have been really uh, secluded as much as they can with Sarah Palin, uh, trying to get these potential questions at least in her head. Um, about uh, how she'd like to answer. Well, apparently they've got her, you know, they had her locked up in some debate camp or something. Where yeah, was it uh, John McCain? I think uh, debate uh, camp is, and debate prep for both sides, I think that's crap. I think that you ought to just be, I don't think you should get the prep. I don't think you should get the practice. I don't think you should get the prepare. You either know the answer or you don't. The end. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know the answer now and you had to go learn it somewhere, I mean, look, if you didn't already know the answer when they picked you to be uh you know, a candidate, you ought not to be running. That's just my opinion. You shouldn't be allowed to practice at all. In fact, you should have a monitor and like a low jack on your uh, ankle 24 hours a day to make sure you don't practice. Because you know what? I don't want somebody who had to go practice to answer a question. That's just me. Um, all right. So a lot of tonight is going to be about the economy probably. So that then leads us to, so what, the Senate passed this bailout or rescue bill, and then the House votes when? Tomorrow? Um, it is likely to come tomorrow from all what right. we understand. Uh, what's unclear is whether some of the uh, folks who uh, w objected to it previously uh, will be willing to go along this time. Uh, Peter DeFazio is uh, one of those. Um, and, uh, you know, it, the Democrats, at least, are saying that they're counting on the Republicans to turn the tide in this um, situation. Uh, and the Republicans are saying, well, uh, you're the majority party. You should be able to get more votes as well. The right. the previous uh, vote was uh, was short by what would amount to a swing of 12 members of the House. Uh, if you can swing 12 members to the uh, plus side, then you've got a you've got the bill passed. The problem is now they've tacked on more stuff into this uh, legislation. 
It will cost another $150 billion more or so because of the tax breaks. So they may very well be losing a few people. But it, I, I, the sense, the general sense here is that it uh, will likely pass. Uh, some people very grudgingly might uh, decide to vote yes. Is it grudgingly because all their constituents are still screaming that they shouldn't? Uh, most of their constituents, and particularly in the, some of the tight races, have been screaming against this. Uh, if you use the word bailout especially, right. uh, it's just uh, it's like saying you're going to, uh, uh, I don't know, <laughs> um, you know, you're, you're going to bring back uh, uh, torture chambers or something. Well, it, but um, it's... Uh, you know, the, the word bailout certainly has a pejorative connotation to it. It just seems like somebody ought to go on television and just, if this is going to be the way it goes, if the, let me put it this way. If they're just going to disregard the will of a lot of the country on this, then they, ought, then they at least owe it to us to give us an explanation. They need to, even if we already understand it, they need to go on television and then just say, look, we know you all think it's a bad idea. Like 80% of people are opposed to this. But if we don't do it, it's just going to wreck everything. And so if you're angry at us, then vote us out. But we just got to do it. You got to take your medicine. And I know, you, you know, we know everybody's opposed to it, but you just, you just got to trust us this once. And if you don't like how it turns out, then, you know, then it's on us. Well, that's um, <laughs> that's good if you're not seeking re-election. Well, I'm not. Maybe I'll do it. I should go on and I should I should speak to the American people every go. night saying what politicians ought to be saying. That yep. would be, hey, that would be a great uh, little uh a little mini program that CNN should. I should just pitch oh, my. No. I yeah. no no no. I should pitch this to CNN television today. <laughs> no seriously, where it is five minutes a day. You know, like Anderson Cooper does that thing at the end of three six every night. Where he shows yeah. like, he shows like funny animal videos or something. Mm-hmm. And yesterday it was the world's tallest man marrying the world's fattest woman or something. There ought to be like a little three minute segment hosted by me, Rick Emerson, on CNN television every night. Where it is, uh, what Americans wish a politician would go on TV and say that day. Emerson's Corner, yeah, but, I mean, but it would be some alternate universe sort of thing where this is like what a politician really should say yeah. today. All right. Yeah, so every, every once in a while somebody does a column along those lines, but uh, it doesn't... Eh, uh, people don't read. You know. um, so again... Uh, or they read everything. Uh, the, the vote is expected to come midday tomorrow, uh, Washington time, uh, but the Democrats say they will not bring it up unless they're pretty confident that they have the votes needed to pass it. All right. Bob, are you on tomorrow, sir? Uh, no, I will not be here. Oh, damn the luck. Damn the luck. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Bob Constantini. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Have Thanks. a good weekend. There you go, Bob Constantini. All right, we'll take a break. Back after this with Tim Riley. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Coming in today, Glorious Bastard of the Week, uh, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Let's see. Uh, Big Jim's Top 5 Teenage Angst Moping Songs. High Concept Thursday. Uh, what else? Uh, we will put together the rules for tonight's Vice Presidential Debate Drinking Game. Uh, don't forget, cover tonight, 6 p.m., right here on this very fine radio station. Running commentary by Tim Riley, Storm Large, myself. Wraparound commentary by Lisa Desjardins. And Jim Roop. It's the best night ever. Uh, what else? You got questions for the Mythbusters guys, Adam and Jamie from Mythbusters? Uh, send those to rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at 
rickemerson.com, and then get your tickets for Mythbusters Behind the Scenes Q&A this coming Sunday at 2 p.m. at uh, the Arlene Schnitzer Concert Hall. Uh, I will be moderating that, but uh, send your Mythbusters questions to rick at rickemerson.com. Ladies and gentlemen at the Ministry of Truth, here's Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Show's new news hour, only on AM 970, The Talker. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. From China with hate. State health officials say white rabbit candy sold in Oregon may be contaminated with a uh, substance blamed for sickening thousands of kids in China. This is white rabbit candy. It has a picture of a smiling rabbit on the front. So far, the chemical melamine has been found in candy being sold in California and four Connecticut stores. Are we surprised that there's a strange chemical in a candy called white rabbit? That is true. The U.S. Uh, Food and Drug Administration said the candy is imported from China, distributed in eight states, including Oregon. This is vanilla-flavored candy. Mommy, this candy makes me small. The FDA says no illnesses are associated with the candy. Mm-hmm. Then why is it being taken off the market? I don't know. Is that a rhetorical question, or are you expecting me to have some sort of a response? Well, no. No, I have not. Throwing it out there. Hey, speaking of kids saying creepy things, I, I meant to make this observation yesterday, and I get a chance. Uh, this is really the very definition of a non sequitur. It's apropos of absolutely nothing. By the way, if you're sending us any emails or anything right now, uh, we're having some Internet issues, I think. Are you able to get online, Tim? No. Sarah? No. Me either. So uh, if you're emailing us right now, I am not seeing that. I might see it later, but not now. My computer's depornified, though, I think. 47 viruses. 47. Hmm. You know who you are. Stop it. I mean, I'm just saying, seems like one's porn surfing could wait a couple hours. I mean, how long can you go without porn? I mean, seems like you can porn at night. You can porn. I'd porn in the morning. Debbie does 47 <clears throat> viruses. Yes. Uh, it, it seems like you can look at porn in the morning. You can look at porn at night. There's like a little window of time where you got to be at work. Seems like you ought to be able to skip the porn while you're at work. Or, otherwise, that's uh, that's like one of those things where like... One of the questions on the, you know, do you find it difficult to go more than two hours without drinking? So, um, what was I going to say? Computer, Internet, oh, that's kind of down. Um, speaking of kids saying creepy things, though, I meant to make this observation the other day when we were talking to, I think it was Court or something, because he has a kid. This is very much apropos of nothing, but it sort of weirded me out. So, uh, we have a friend of ours who has a, has a little girl. She's like, uh, the girl's like two, maybe. I mean, old enough to talk, but, you know, young enough to not... I don't know, she's not kind of fully formed or whatever they, whatever they call that. But, you know, she's a, bit, she's a toddler, I guess. And so the uh, our friend was, uh, you know, was, was, I don't know, was having some talk with her kid the other day. The kid was doing something or other. Anyway, for no readily apparent reason, um, it was like nighttime, like night was starting to get dark outside, evening was falling, and this two-year-old kid turns to her mom, our friend, the two-year-old girl, <laughs> looks at her, she says the creepiest thing. I wish we had the exorcism music. She goes... Mommy, the moon makes me feel funny. <laughs> How creepy is that? How terrifying is that? You sleep real lightly with that kid around. Jesus, wake up, kid, going right for your uh, going right for your carotid artery. Here's Tim Riley. Anyway, that re- I was gonna do something, but that kind of like, mommy, the moon makes me feel funny. <laughs> this is our daughter Remus. All right, here's Tim Riley. What were we going to do? I was going to play the latest Sarah Palin video. All right. From the Katie Couric interview about Roe versus Wayne. 
Now, have you seen this? Sarah? No, I haven't seen All it, right. and I haven't heard it. So, let's just, she so, still has that that infamous uh, red streak down the side oh. of the cheek. Oh man, it, it, and uh, I, I think uh, I had to be this guy. I think she's put a little weight too. I think somebody's going a little stress a little eating. Stress eating. I think somebody's well, she's going been down to Texas, drowning her sorrows in Malamars. Uh, Sarah Palin looks a little uh, squishy. I uh, she's still. I would, despite what you know, many people would. I still think she's an attractive woman, but she is. Uh, She's looking more and more... Well, maybe she's just trying to be like an average American. Maybe she's trying to be relatable by getting fat. Well, she's a former beauty queen. Yeah. So she was attractive at one time. All right, so, but well, I, I mean, I, I think she's sort of attractive now in a, in a hot mom kind of a way. She was uh, quite a looker when she was uh, younger. Um, she has... She's got... I don't know. I, I agree with Sarah. Bad makeup uh, and then uh, has become a little uh, spongy over the last few weeks. So, all right. So this is her being interviewed by Katie Couric, who... Yes. Two things. Katie Couric dresses really well in this interview. Katie Couric looks good. She 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 put together well. Is she like one upping her a little bit? Well, I think so. I mean, I think she realized. I hadn't really thought of it. That's probably a good point. I hadn't really made that connection, Sarah. But you're probably that is probably true. That she's in a room with a woman who is beauty pageant uh, contestant viewed uh, as attractive. Katie Couric is probably like, screw that. I'm not going to let you out, pretty me. And so Katie Couric's got these fashionable new Ashley Banfield glasses. And um, her hair is down, very soft, and then she's got this great—it's like a uh, not a not a it, not a pantsuit, but it's like it's like a white shirt with like a black jacket over it. Is that what she's wearing, Katie Couric? I believe so. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's a very good outfit. And I would say this: that Katie Couric, were it not for the fact that she's being shot through this soft focus lens, I would go so far as to say that Katie Couric looks flat out hot in that. Except the soft focus lens sort of throws you off because you realize they're desperately trying to hide something with that. That there's some ugliness there they don't want you to see. Well, maybe Les Moonves took her shopping. It's entirely possible. All right, so this is Katie Couric talking to Sarah Palin last night about Supreme Court decisions. This is a CBS News exclusive. What other Supreme Court decisions do you disagree with? Mm. Well, let's see. There's, of course, in, in the great history of America, there have been rulings that um, there's never going to be absolute consensus by every American and um, there are those issues again like Roe v. Wade where I believe are best held on a state level and addressed there so um, you know going through the history of America there there would be others but um, can you think of any well I, I would think of of any again that could best be dealt with on a more local level maybe I would take issue with but um, you know, as as a mayor and then as a governor and even as a vice president, if I'm so privileged to serve, would be in a position of changing those things, but in supporting the law of the land as it as it reads today. You know, that's the law even law of the land. That's even more interminable just in an audio form than it was on television. On television, at least you could be distracted by you know imagining what she looks like naked. Here, it's just nothing. It just goes on and on and on and on and on, and there's no real. Re you know what she is to me? She reminds me of being in college and I had a blue book and I had to write an essay on something that I didn't know the exact topic, so I would write around it. I was genius at that. I could write a like just this huge long and pages and pages about nothing that says absolutely nothing, but yeah. it kind of looks like I know what I'm talking about. We all. Oh, this is a. Oh, man, too late do I think of a great idea. You know what we should have done? We should have done a little, we should have done a bit where we get somebody who knows absolutely nothing about the Supreme Court, and we put them on the microphone, and we say, and we ask them these same questions. You know what I mean? You know, like ask a fifth grader. I hate to do the are you smarter than fifth grader, but really, but you have to fill 60 seconds of talking about something you know nothing about. 
I'm going to do that later today as a bit. We're going to do it as a contest later on. I'll give you a DVD for it. Later today, we're going to do a bit where, uh, how long was that response? A minute. Okay. So later today, don't call now. We're going to do a contest. I'm going to throw you some sort of news, current event topic, some political question uh, that you have to talk about for 60 seconds. And it should be something you know nothing about. Uh, and then if you can talk for 60 seconds without stopping, uh, we'll, give you a, uh, we'll give you a DVD. I'm going to do that later on today. Let me forget about that. 60-second contest. That's good. That All shouldn't right. be too hard. All right. We'll do that uh, later on. So so the question, and, you know, and Katie Couric is so nice, she throws her the lifeline. And you know the condescending, and I don't mean it in a bad way. I guess I do, but, I mean, there's no other way to ask it, right? The, when, she, when Katie Couric says, well, can, can you think of any? I mean, it's just almost like, a, give me something. Please, I'm, just, I'm, I'm extending a rope to you, Sarah Palin. Just please cling. This is your lifeline. Grab on to this. So, I mean, I know. I almost want to say, like, I would so just desperately wish to hear from somebody. How about the monkey trial? Well, well, she was asking for Supreme Court decisions with mm-hmm. which she disagreed. I mean, and I mean, it didn't, didn't they just have that thing? Was it just a Supreme Court? Look, I'm not even running for anything. There's a Supreme Court decision like six weeks ago where they gave Guantanamo prisoners, um, uh, you know, the right to judges and the right to have their trials be public and, you know, all of that. I would think, I think that they did, and I think John McCain himself disagreed with that. I think Sarah Palin had some Supreme Court decision about the Exxon Valley's oil spill. So, what else comes to mind? The Volstead Act, the, the Volstead Act, where there was a, which was, which is not a Supreme Court decision, though, that was, but that was actually, that was the act of prohibition. There was, uh, what else? Plessy versus Ferguson. Plessy, which is the, uh, which is the uh, uh, separate but equal uh, Supreme Court decision. Plessy versus Ferguson, I say now trying to prove that I'm smarter than Sarah Palin, and how sad is that? Wow, you should be Sarah Palin. I should, Tim. Get me a wig. <laughs> uh, there was Plessy versus Ferguson, which said that you did not have to have um, uh, integrated public schools Except, you know, as long as they were equal. In other words, you know, you could, as long as they were allegedly equal, you could keep the white kids in one part of town and the black kids in one part of town. And that was fine. Which was, I do believe, then it uh, overturned in Brown versus the Board of Education. I should be able to do one more. You know, to, sh- to show that I'm smarter than Sarah Payne. We'll give you a DVD. There was um, the Dred Scott case. Yeah. The Dred Scott case, uh, which uh, held that... The Dred Scott case, which held that freed slaves could not vote, I believe. I'm kind of going, I'm nibbling around the edges of that one. But I I believe, I do believe, yeah, the the, the Dred Scott decision said that freed slaves could not vote. All right, there you go. There you go. See, I didn't have to go to debate camp for that. Jesus. All right. Can you play that one more time? Her soundbite, do you still have it? No. Okay, never mind. Wait a minute, I can go back to play it. It's okay. I mean, it's worth hearing one more time. I'll go back to my favorites that are supposed to be uh, here. If you want to talk to yourself or, or play a song for about uh, 30 seconds. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Can you play a song for us? Is this me? Yes. Hello, sir. Hi. What's up? Uh, what kind of song would you like? Um, can you hum a show tune? Certainly. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> you were lying to me just now, weren't you? What about uh, like Jeopardy? Do you, feel like, do you feel like Sarah Palin and my Kitty Couric just now? A little bit. All right. Uh, what is it? What, what, how can I help you today? Uh, well, I just, I just had a question for you. I was yeah. wondering if you were going to uh, podcast your uh, uh, the debate tonight. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I got like a billion emails about that. And I haven't bothered to. Uh, yeah. Uh, the debate uh, and commentary tonight will be streamed uh, and also uh, podcast. Yes, it'll be streamed and archived. Fantastic. Not that you shouldn't be listening live because you should. 
Well, I, I wish I could, but I have uh, prior engagements. What's that, your prior uh, engagement? So, what's, what's your what's your prior engagement? I uh, work. Mm, well, all right. I'll allow the judges will allow that, sir. Yes, it will be uh, streamed tonight on 970.am, and then also available as a podcast. Yes. All right. Thank all right. you. Thank you, sir. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How you doing? What's up? Um, Sarah just gave a deal about two months ago that she forgot all about with the uh, Exxon Valdez. And right. Yeah. Baker. Yeah. They, they, yeah. Where they uh, and it was because they were trying to strip out uh, the amount of damages that could be sought right. for that. And, she, and said, I, that she disagreed with it. They showed a clip of her saying it. And she couldn't even remember that. She's an idiot. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you, sir. Okay. Thanks. All right. Fantastic. Now I can't find it again. That's okay. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Tim, Sarah. Hello. Hey, hi. It's okay. We know that you guys are the brightest, the best informed talk show team around. You don't have to worry about Dred Scott, although it's good to know that, and Dutch Angles. Well, I like to think that I haven't completely forgotten everything that was pounded into me, so yeah. You haven't, but you, you, missed, you missed the best one to disagree with. Mm. Bush v. Gore. Oh, that's true. I, I Really? No, see, that's embarrassing for me. I should have been able to think of that. All right. Well done, sir. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. Hey. It's Helen. Hello, Helen. Did you um, get your clothes at the casino? I'm sorry? Remember you had some clothes at the hotel at the casino, you know, $400 worth? When you oh, yeah. Home? No, no, no. This is, lest anybody think that uh, Helen and I are secret lovers. Um, <laughs> so here's what happened. So I went to Spirit Mountain uh, to see... Uh, yeah, I know, remember. some dunk well, paper thing. let me just... There are many people, maybe, Helen, who, who aren't privy to this, so I'll explain okay. for them. Uh, so I was uh, there with my wife, uh, yeah. emceeing the Dennis Miller thing. So I took three shirts, because I never, you know, I'm indecisive, never what to wear. Take three shirts, hang them all in the closet, uh, end up wearing this black Kenneth Cole shirt that I like a lot. And then I left the other two there. I get back home, and it was like an hour and a half drive. Get back home, realize, oh, shirts still in the closet. So I call immediately, and I said, hey, I left my shirts. And it turns out that was the same day there was some sort of, I don't know, some sort of issue, smoke alarms or another, fire drill or something. And so it took them forever to find it. So they did locate my shirts. They will be mailing those to me. Yes, Helen, thank you for your well, concern. Well, you know, uh, I could pick them up for you on on the weekend and bring them to you on Wednesday if you wanted me to do it. Well, I appreciate the offer. I'm, uh, I've been assured they're in route, though, Helen. But thank okay. you anyway. All right. All right. Thank you. All right. That's Helen. Okay. She disappeared for a while. Now she's back in full force. Seriously. Mm, all right. Uh, I wonder how her donkey is. Here's t- Hey, how's your donkey? Here's Tim Riley. So let's talk about uh, more about this debate tonight. We have Joe Lieberman says it'll be Palin's night to shine. Folks in the media have made this into a kind of college final exam for uh, Sarah Palin to see if they could stump her on an arcane question. I think she's got to come back to who she is, a typical middle-class person from a typical middle-class family who got frustrated by government. No, no, she's rich. First of all, she's... Uh, I'm sorry, Sarah, what were you just mouthing to me? Oh, do you still have your... She's a typical white person. Oh, damn. I'm sorry. <clears throat> um, I'm sorry. And then we'll get back to what Tim said, which is uh, which is great. Uh, yeah, Sarah Palin. She is a typical white person. You know, we haven't been using that nearly enough. Um, <clears throat> yeah, first of all, she... Uh, her family are millionaires. I don't mean like her parents. I mean like the Palins. Uh, Sarah and Todd are millionaires. They are millionaires, which Joe Biden needs to bring up. You know? And Joe Biden, frankly, Joe Biden should have said, look, we're all millionaires. Who are we fooling? Everybody running is a millionaire. Although I read somewhere that Obama's net worth is actually only like, only, like 800 grand or something. Well, that'll change. Which seems, which seems impossible, though. I can't, I mean, the Clintons are constantly losing their shirts, yet they're back being multimillionaires like months away. But I mean, how is it possible that Barack and Michelle Obama are not millionaires? I'm not saying they're lying, but I'm saying maybe there's a little... Maybe their speaking fees are lower. I'm wondering if there's a little, uh... 
moving around of finance is happening in the Obama family because it seems like they ought to be millionaires by now. Mm-hmm. Because what does she do for a living? What does Michelle Obama do? Do we know? She's uh, she a teacher or something? She, I thought she was a teacher. Some type of politics. Uh, she does something or other. Anyway, so but the, but they're basically all millionaires. And Joe Biden should say that. Look, you know, let's not sing this fake song of the working man. We're all, you know, we've all done very well. We're all, you know, financially secure. So uh, Sarah Palin, you and your husband are millionaires. Uh, and also, this Joe Lieberman says she's an average American, as I think has been echoed by many people for the last few months. We don't need an average American running the country. The average America, the average American, as Tim just pointed out, shouldn't be let anywhere near this country. The average American shouldn't be in charge of, of, of you know, of, of, of running, you know, one of the rides in Autopia. The average American is fundamentally retarded on almost every level. The average American is living in Flint. That's ex- really, I mean, that really is it. I mean, by saying an average American, what you're really saying is you want a C student running this country and running uh, the government. And I don't really know that that's so much the case. Look, I shouldn't run the country, and I'm probably a little bit brighter than the average American. Tim is certainly brighter than the average American. Sarah's the only one here who finished college. No offense, Sarah. I don't know that you're qualified to be president. God, no. I mean, it'd be interesting. So the average American shouldn't be let anywhere near, like, you know, a threshing machine, much less the entire executive branch of this country's government. So... And by the way, Joe Lieberman, that guy is so done. You talk about a guy who's just a... I think I made this analogy before, but he really is that hunched-over hobbly guy from 300. Yes. You know, that just uh, you know, that goes against the Spartans because they offer him, like, a zinky-looking uniform to wear. That's totally the last somebody who loves me. So The Republicans don't respect him, and the Democrats won't take him back. You are effed, Joe Lieberman. Well, Joe Lieberman says uh, tonight we'll find out why on earth that John McCain picked her as his running mate. Took on the oil industry, a real reformer, worked across party lines to get things done in Alaska. That's why John McCain chose her to make clear to the American people that that he is the change candidate in this race. So I think she's got to get it back to those personal qualities. All right, uh, somebody's pointing out Michelle Obama is a lawyer. Uh, Wait, no, no. See, here we go. Michelle Obama's a lawyer. Next email. Michelle Obama is a hospital administrator. Whatever, I no longer care. Uh, somebody has clarified here, Sarah Palin, her family are not millionaires. Their assets are worth a million, uh, including the house on which they carry more. You know what? You sell everything I have and multiply it by three. I don't have a million dollars. So, you know, they got a million dollars in cash and stuff. So that is not what the average American has. I think that's the point. Yeah, she doesn't have as much money as Joe Biden. Uh, so, and, but by the way, none of them have as much money as John McCain. So maybe if you put Sarah Palin and John McCain together and average them out, you might get something that approximate what the you know what the typical politician has. Here is Tim Riley. So uh, just to change the subject for a moment, now the LAPD is taking all the fun out of living out of the city. They have a new technology that can detect a firearm being discharged in the city. The stress spotter is a technology that allows uh, the police department to become aware uh, electronically of shots fired within the city limits. Um, it is a, uh, a proven technology in, in some small geographic areas, but it will be something that's very difficult to spread throughout the whole city. Oh, sure. They say that now. They keep saying that. They, we they won't... said that back in the 80s. What? That they have this technology. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was a brand new, I thought it was sort of groundbreaking stuff. I remember them saying they had it way back when. Well, it seems like it wouldn't be difficult to do. I mean, I hate to use this, uh, use this kind of comparison, but in the dark night, Tim... There's that whole thing where they turn every cell phone into a broadcaster and then they're able to analyze sound or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know what this technology is. They can tell when a bullet's being fired. Thomas is probably writing me an email about it as we speak. But 
it seems like a bullet, when it's being fired, makes a very specific kind of sound. There is a unique sound signature, an auditory tell to that. So if you're somehow able to monitor the sound in an area or a city, all you need to do is then have something that registers when that particular sound is made, and they already have the technology for that, and then just isolate, triangulate where the sound is coming from. And and also, let's also know, when they say that we don't have the tech, anytime a government official tells you, well, look, we don't really have the technology to do this now to everybody, that's always uh, another way of saying they have the technology now to do it to everybody and are doing it to everybody. Sort of like when the government says, well, look, we... Uh, we don't have the technology or the means to read all of your email or anything. That's clearly a lie. What that means is we have the technology to read all your email and have been doing so for 12 years. So when the LAPD says they can't do that, not only can they, they are, and they're lying to you about it, just so you know. Here's well, it's just like the, the IT guys here can track who's viewing pornography in <coughs> business hours. Yes, they can, Tim. 47 viruses, really. Mm-hmm. All right. Is That's that all a lot of time? porn. I don't know. How maybe. much porn do you need? I went upstairs. I'm just like, have I? Did I accidentally? I'm like, I'm not looking at the porn, but I'm like, maybe I went to a website that downloaded it. And he's just like, no, it's all specific on one username. He wouldn't well, tell me who. Well, it was you know, name. it is interesting to note here at, uh, at CBS that uh, because so much of what we do can sort of loosely be called show prep, mm-hmm. there's any number of things that we are allowed to look at here by dint of our jobs that probably the average person couldn't. I'm going to tell you right now, you look at my computer, I look at all kinds of vile crap. You know, somebody, hey, look at this. It's a guy getting his, uh, it's a guy getting his uh, junk kicked by a donkey, you know? It's the bleeding girl. Seriously, look at this. A girl bleeding out of her skin. Hey, check this out. It's an incredibly hot newscaster in Russia who disrobes while she reads the stories. I watch that here at work. I'll admit it right now. I spend time here at CBS watching horrible things on the Internet as part of my show prep. Uh, but those are, but those are all streaming things. They're not downloaded things. I only stream my filth. I don't. Uh, I don't put that on the computer. Here's Tim Riley. Edward R. Murrow's ashes must be churning over in the ocean to hear such things. The Senate has approved a revised 700 billion dollar bailout for the troubled financial sector. Senate modifications in the bill include a boost in the federal deposit insurance guarantee from 100,000 to 250,000. It also adds some tax cut sweeteners to make the bill more palatable to conservatives. The House is expected to take it up tomorrow. The overall rescue plan would essentially buy up all the bad debt of faltering financial institutions. The legislation still contains Democratic sweeteners. Sweetener. Best kind. Uh, sweetener. I barely knew her. Now, the House vote is tomorrow. Yes. Why is it not today? They're busy. Doing? Whatever they do. Okay. They're getting ready for the Sarah Palin debate. Really? Because we got a lot of time to kill the economy. Just let you know, vote on it next week. Vote on it whenever. Let it burn all night. All right. So these uh, will still have go- uh, curbs on golden parachutes for top executives of failing financial corporations. Mm-hmm. We have Maryland Democrat Barbara Malinsky who says voters are mad as hell. Time and time again, we've seen the consequences of a lax regulatory culture and very wimpy enforcement. Is that Babe Buchanan? It sounds just like, who did you, did you say it was Babe Buchanan? It's not Babe Buchanan. It's what? Maryland Democrat Barbara Malinsky. That's not, that's Babe Buchanan. Maybe she's masquerading as... That sounds exactly like Babe Buchanan. I would know that shrill, uninformed uh, voice anywhere. Mm-hmm. All right. South Carolina Republican Jim DeMint said there's plenty of blame to go around. I strongly oppose this legislation. It takes our country in the wrong direction. It forces innocent taxpayers to bail out government policies and Wall Street mistakes. It asks the American people to take a leap of faith and trust people who have consistently misled them. Well, who can disagree with that? Yeah, business people, politicians are all in the same boat. Yes, they are. 
Vermont Independent Bernie Sanders, who's a socialist, said taxpayers should not come to the rescue of irresponsible and greedy Wall Street millionaires. As the American and world financial systems heat on the edge of a meltdown, these multimillionaires are demanding that the middle class, which has already suffered under Bush's disastrous economic policies, pick up the pieces that they broke. I will be curious. Now, I say interested and curious, and I sort of transpose those a lot, and I know what they both mean, but somewhere in my life, I, I fell into using the phrase, it'll be curious to see, and then I always stop and correct myself because I realize it's wrong. That does not, however, stop the incorrect phrase from coming out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And it's like I don't ever, you know, and it's like it doesn't get, that's a thing that gets through the filter in my brain, and then as soon as I say it, I go, well, no, that's wrong, and then I have to apologize, and I say, no, 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 I will be curious to see, and it will be interesting to see. I don't know why that is. That's one. That's something I don't catch in pre-production in my head. Um, I will be curious to see, and it will be interesting to see, if they can just continue to dig in their heels and not, you, you know, and just follow what the voters are telling them to do because the voters are just consistently screaming that they don't want this bailout thing to happen. And yet you hear that the House might be softening on it and voting it. Uh, voting it. Uh, it, it will be interesting to see how that unfolds if they just say, well, I know that all of my voters are opposed to it, but I'm doing it anyway. And just see what the ramifications of that are. So, well, it seems like we might be in it for uh, an interesting fall regardless. Uh, what does Hillary Clinton have to say? Our economy runs on credit, and underlying that credit is trust. Both the credit and the trust is running out. I hate to sound like Johnny Old School, but whatever happened to the economy running on, you know, money and, like, stuff you could actually afford? is what This entire country now is just one big daisy chain of one guy hand in the next guy's pocket over and over and over 280 million times. Mm-hmm. Uh, as uh, as uh, Frank Sabatka once said, he said, we used to make stuff in this country. We used to build things. Now all you do is put your hand in the next guy's pocket. And that really is uh, now well, more than the ever. It's true. Yeah. I mean, you, know. you don't have to put nuts and bolts in things eight hours a day. Exactly. We become a better country. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yes, Rick, Jim, and Sarah. Hello. How are you guys doing over there in this fine day? We're fantastic. Thank you. How can I help you, sir? Well, I'm here just to uh, pile on Taylor a little bit. Okay. Okay. That, you know, that the Katie Couric interview, the segment that you saw about her taking about Roe versus Wade, yes. that was really the second shot. The first one, she said, Roe versus Wade. Is that the decision George Washington had to make when he was crossing the Delaware? No, huh? Uh, wait, hold on. Do I still have my? Uh, wait a second. I think I may have. Uh, I may have taken something out of rotation that I, no. I now have to put back. Wait, hold on. You know, I. You know what I? I haven't had to use that forever. Well done, sir. Thank you. Yeah, hang on. I'm not gone yet. Oh, oh, but you are. All right. Thanks so much. <laughs> now he's gonna go try it out in the lunchroom at work. Call another time. I thought his thanks joke so was much. funny. His joke too. was funny, but. Mm-hmm. Why tempt fate, Sarah? He's one of those ageless people where he sounds like he could be like yeah. eighty. Yeah. Like 30. He wins the extra donut. Yeah. No, well done, sir. I mean, you're, well, we're going to we're going to let you go out on top there. Mm-hmm. You know, don't chase the punchline. All right, there you go. That's that guy. Uh, let me just save this. There's going to be a plonking sound. Hold on. Uh, let's see. Plonk. Just one second. Uh, plonking sound. Plonk. Save two. There we go. All right, there. There I go. Handy. All right, here's Tim Riley. So Barack Obama came back to vote, wherever he was. And we can't afford to take a risk that the economy of the United States of America and as a consequence the worldwide economy could be plunged into a very, very deep hole. Yeah. Obama came voted. 
I think that uh, the Main Street America was about to experience even more really old trauma than they already are in the form of credit and form of keeping small businesses open. Whoa. I hate to... He is really aging before our eyes. Here. And I hate to pile on because it sounds like... It sounds like we're just knocking on McCain for being old. And I'm not doing that. I have no problem with old people. I look forward to being an old people so I can be as cranky as I want to be. Some of them your best friends? Yes, they, I have many friends that are old. I've had old people in my home. I've nope. broken bread with old people. I don't want one marrying my sister, though. And I think, uh, you know, you know why. Mm -hmm. But uh, old people, Tim, they're only after one thing with a girl. Uh, so, you know, but, I mean, I'm not knocking him for being old. You get old. What are you going to do? But, um, but that job just ages you exponentially. And you can tell even the campaign. And, you know, it's not just him. It, Obama's the same way. Obama seems tired. Obama seems tired, just seems kind of worn down. Sarah Palin, as we already know, just seems a little spongy uh, because I think she's probably shoving some. Uh, she's sitting there on her snack whale's ass in a room somewhere, just just dreading tonight. Um, you know, but McCain just seems already just beaten down by this campaign. Do you remember looking at? I mean, look at man. Did you see Bush the other night? Oh, look at a man. picture Bush today and Bush four years ago, and how much worse he looks. Bush, I mean, what is he doing? What is Bush possibly doing that could be wearing him out right now? I mean, just I mean, really, I mean, what? I don't, I don't understand exactly what he would be doing that would be taxing him either mentally or physically right now. But um, I mean, it's not like the jumble can be that challenging. Oh, no, he so, looks like Norman Bates' mother. Yeah, he's he's just started to become all desiccated, and so you get John McCain in there who is has already gone through a lot in his life. Has already, as everybody's noted, has fought cancer four times. That yeah, wears you out too. Made it every time. Yeah, and I mean. You put him in there, and, man, you got to wonder if he's going to be, you know, if he'll be able to make it through eight years. I mean, and if not, can you imagine? Oh, no. Can you imagine? My uh, my wife made this observation last night. She said, and, of course, we we wish John McCain and all uh, elected officials long life and the best of health. But she said, can you imagine? This is after Sarah Palin was just going, well, boy, gosh, I don't know. Well, Joseph's back. And for like the 50th time, my wife said, can you imagine if John McCain is elected and then, God forbid, is unable to continue and Sarah Palin becomes the president? Like, it's just, like, it's just so, it's so, un like, I can't even fathom it. Like, I can't even wrap my brain around the idea that Sarah Palin might be president. I mean, it's almost, it's almost just, it's so ludicrous that I almost long for it to happen. I really do. I almost just. Stop saying that. I'm not going to lie, Sarah. I'm not going to deceive the people. I will not be insincere. If the show is nothing else, this show is a this show is a place where one speaks one one's mind, even if one's voice shakes. So, I cannot deny that part of me wants to see a Sarah Palin, not just vice president. I part of me really wants to see Sarah Palin run this whole country, just because I can't. Im it, it, it's like how I said that somebody got to write that article about Hunter Thompson and, and uh, George Carlin and Tim Russert and their thoughts on the election. I want them to write it, just because I can't write it and I can't imagine it, and I want to see what I want to read it. I can't imagine what Sarah Palin running this country would be like, so it's like somebody has to do it just so I can see it. I mean, it has to happen just because I want to watch it. I can't, my imagination won't conjure it up for me. It's all about self-control, though. Like, sometimes you want things to happen, you want to see them, but I mean, at the same time, it's like, you don't, it's not, it's not a necessity. You don't need to. It's not a necessity, but I mean, really, what is a necessity? Wouldn't you rather see our country in the upswing and, like, election really back together? 
Well, I guess, but that presumes that that's going to happen. Does this mean that she's going to be hunting moose on the White House grounds? Oh, they ought to do that. Like instead of the, she ought to she ought to do that thing every Thanksgiving. She ought to pardon a moose instead of a thanks instead of a turkey. You know what I mean? Oh, that sounds good. So, and and I mean, you know, and and scares me because you talk about it and I can see it. That's why. Oh, because it's. 48% 48% of this country, it's, it's idiocity. It, yeah, that's it, exactly it. It really is. Get her and a pro wrestler in there with electrolytes and so forth. Uh, i got to watch that again. This is the only room where I feel safe from it all. Really? Yes. Thank you, Tim. i got to go back and watch uh, Idiocracy. Uh, there's your can of Brondo right there. Um, you know, because as we've said, the Idiocracy is not a, it's a flawed film, but it's, it's, but it's got its heart in the right place and the message, I mean, now more than ever. Mm-hmm. That's what Court and Fatboy ought to do. They really ought to be doing Idiocracy. So be it. Absolutely. I mean, it might be too late now because their next midnight movie is going to be after the election. Wow. I mean, I don't is mean. Is it too late to change? They're doing Ghostbusters. They really should be doing Idiocracy because of this election. I uh, think so. Well. And it's hilarious too, and it'll penetrate yeah. definitely to the to their listeners. Works well with that late night, uh, you know, the the, the drinking class. Uh, that's a good idea. Um, what was my point? Oh, anyway, so blah 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 blah. Idiocracy and safe from it here. So. Hmm. Will Mormons vote for someone with the name Sixpack in their name? I don't really know, Tim. You know, here's a question uh, about that Joe Sixpack thing. I guess in some sense I know what that means, but in another sense I really don't. And it, I almost want Joe Biden and I to ask her, although doing this is dangerous because then it, lets, it opens the door to a whole lot of like, well, they're not elite, Joe. They're people like me, not like you, Washington insider, old. Um you know, we hear Joe Sixpack, and that's a thing that kind of, you sort of know what it means until you really think about it. And then the more you think about it, the more you're really unsure what that phrase actually is supposed to convey. What does Joe Sixpack mean? I mean, who is that really? Is that Sarah? Is that Scotty? Is that my wife? Is that some guy who's driving, you know, a truck somewhere? I mean, is it Richie? Is it court? I mean, I don't really know who Joe Sixpack is now that I think about it. You kind of hear that phrase and you go, oh, yeah, I know what she's talking about. That guy. But then I don't really know who that guy is. I, I, that actually probably bears some investigation at some point about, like, what is Joe Sixpack? Who is that? What are his traits? So, and one six-pack for Joe really isn't that much. That's true. I mean, you know, unless it's a six-pack and, like, you know, like during lunch or something. That's just getting started. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Joe Hafrak is what we're talking about. Uh, all right. Uh, we should take a break here. If you're on hold, hang tight. Uh, let's see. On, let's see. We got a guy about millionaire status, guys, about the drinking game. Richie screened one call here, and Richie just says, I don't understand a word this guy is saying. We'll take him first. So we'll do that after we come back. 503-733-2970. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Don't go anywhere. Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Still to come, Glorious Bastard of the Week, Dorothy Cassisari from the National Enquirer. We'll set up the rules for tonight's uh, debate drinking game. Don't forget, tonight's vice presidential debate carried live here at 6 p.m. Wraparound commentary by Jim Roop, Lisa Desjardins, running commentary by Storm Large, Tim Riley, and uh, me. Uh, let's see, what else? High Concept Thursday, Big Jim's Top 5 Teenage Angst Songs. I said Glorious Bastard. Yeah, Glorious Bastard of the Week. What else? Uh, some other, oh, um, 
Well, I get. Let me see. When when is this interview going to be happening? I guess that we have time to sort of weigh this. But uh, do we wish to be interviewing the dog whisperer? Yeah, it might be interesting. Oh, I've friends who are obsessed with that Caesar Milan. What, Milan. Yeah. Uh, he'll be launching the fifth season of the show on the National Geographic Channel starting Friday, October 10th. Uh, he's got a book out, of course, blah, blah, blah. Is it like a question and answer, or can people call in and ask him questions at the dog? Uh, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Uh, but the interview would be, well, let's see. Can we even do this? 3, 12, 30. Yeah, we could do it. Uh, it would be um, either next Wednesday or Thursday in like the second half of the show. So... Dog Whisperer. I've never seen the show. What is the, the what is the, the the Dog Whisperer? What is the show? What does he do? I've never seen it myself. I haven't seen it either, but from my friends who are obsessed with that, I guess he he finds out, he assesses what's wrong with problem dogs and oh, he tries yeah. to help them fix the situation. Oh, I guess I could have sussed that out. He's a horse whisperer with dogs. All right, I guess yeah. that makes sense. I guess it's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's a very popular show. All right, okay. Well, having dog problems, we're accepting submissions. Submit a video or come to our live auditions in Southern California. All right. Well, okay. There you go. Uh, well, um, yeah, I guess we'll look into it. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Good morning, everybody. What's up? Hey, uh, the way it was, the difference between being wealthy and being rich, being wealthy is where your assets are such that you got enough money in the bank, you never have to touch the principal, and you can live off the interest and live quite comfortably, do whatever you want. You know, if you see something and you can just buy it. Wait, so that's wealthy or rich? Wealthy. Okay, what is rich? Rich is you got a lot of money, but once it's gone, it's gone. Wait, I don't understand. Which is better? Being wealthy. Tim, do you agree with this assessment? Yeah, it's kind of like Rockefeller exactly. or Anderson Cooper. Yeah, so, where you never never touch the principal. All right. Okay. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. All right. There you go. Uh, let's, and there's like a big snark fest going on back and forth in my email uh, about the, like, you know, because we said Serpe was a millionaire, and then somebody said she's not. You know, because she doesn't have a million dollars in the bank or whatever. This guy says, this is the last thing I'm going to say. Deb, I'm sorry, this woman, Deb says, your millionaire status is determined by your net worth, not what you have in the bank. Uh, all of Sarah Palin's stuff is worth over a million dollars, so she is, in fact, a millionaire. Uh, some of your listeners baffle me. Uh, there you go, Deb. All right, well, I don't really know the answer, but uh, I'm going to quit caring now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hi, Rick. I have a question that uh, would appeal to your affinity for, like, social disruption and but not because earlier this week on uh, Monday, the stock, the stock market dropped 777 points. And what would have happened if it had been 666 points? That would have. That would be less. The, no, that would have been the apocalyptic number of the beast. Well, that's true. And what would have, what would have happened to you know parts of our, of our society that would there have been big hysteria and would would be um, you know. In bad shape with a lot of people. I don't know. You got to stop the world hysteria. I uh, yes, I was. I'm going to concur with Tim. I I think you need to find more basic concerns in your life, sir. No, I I, I just want the. Uh, are you, you know, may, may I interrupt for a moment? Are you uh, are you holding the phone either very close or not close at all? You are you a little muffled. No, I'm in my tiny tiny apartment. Is your apartment small enough that it's fitting around your phone? Um, you're, you're, what kind of phone are you, are you on? Speakerphone? No, no speakerphone. What kind of phone are you on, sir? It's a Motorola. Is it a cell phone or is it a cordless? Cell phone, yeah. It's a cell phone. All right. So your question, maybe I'm missing here. Did you go back and boil the question well, down well, again. Ask me one more time. Okay. Mm-hmm. On Monday, the stock market 
fell 777 points. That is true. Now, if it had fallen 666 points, yes, but that of uh, you know through gasoline on the on the embers that are constantly glowing in this country, as far as you know. Number of the beast in, in time. Are you asking? Let me let me hold on. Let's just stop I'm, for a second. Are you asking me this? Is this your question? Are you asking me if had the stock market dropped 666 points, would it have made crazy religious people go even crazier? Exactly. Well, probably, but it does seem like they also really don't need a reason. It seems like kind of gravity, sun going up, day ending in a Y. These are all things that cause religious people to go even crazier. I mean, I don't. I don't suppose you can ever really insulate yourself from people who see Jesus on a on a piece of Wonder Bread. But what are you going to do? So I think probably more people would be concerned by the fact that it had still gone down almost 700 points. That would be my estimation. But what are these surveys where? Yeah, no, we're yeah, we're gonna no. Thanks. He sounds like on the verge of tears or something. Seriously, I... You have a tiny part and the walls start closing yeah. in? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's like that Geico commercial when people couldn't stand up any longer and they're fighting. Sir, I, I appreciate your comments. I really do. Please don't think that we're trying to be rude. Uh, only a certain amount of minutes in the show here, and uh, I do believe that the answer is probably no. It's not going to bother anybody who's not already crazy. Was so. this the caller that Richie said he couldn't understand what he was saying? Yeah, and I don't know if that was literally or in a conversational sense. All right. Thank you, sir. I appreciate your call. We have to uh, got to move forward. Thanks so much. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's Tim Riley. Well, all right. Uh, Northwest senators were evenly divided as the Senate approved that bailout. Senators Patty Murray of Washington State, Larry Craig of Idaho, still in business. Not gay. Gordon Smith of Oregon supported the bailout, while Senators Ron Wyden of Oregon, Marie Cantwell of Washington, and Mike Crapo of Idaho voted no. Now, I went to his website, and it says it's pronounced Crapo. Uh-huh. How's that's it spelled? A, that's the first Crapo. Okay, well, there you but go. It's, it's pronounced C-R-A-Y dash P-O-E. Crapo. Right, sure it is. And it's also Frankenstein. That's like Mrs. CD teacher, Mrs. Fajo. C-C-D Fajo, really? I think I know how that's spelled. Yeah. Well, you know, my dad, I told you. Well, it's French. It's French. It's Fajo. My, my, uh, my dad had a guy, his last name was Death, D-E-A-T-H, and he insisted it was pronounced Death. Why wouldn't you just be sent with it? My name is Johnny Death. What's your name? You know? You wouldn't even have to fight guys in a bar. You just storm your driver's license. You see this? I'm Johnny Death. Hi, how are you doing? You want to fight me? No. So, I dated someone whose mom's maiden name was Blood. Really? B-L-O-O-D? Blood. Yep. That's so cool. That is so neat. How do names like that come into existence? I mean, you think about like Bloodworth. Like, where does that name come from? That is strange, isn't it? I mean, I don't want to start off on a whole thing about where do names come from, because that, that itself is a really weird concept. Mm-hmm. And I guess it comes from maybe clans or tribes or something that are named after maybe an area or a region or something that or you know if people are pushing line coming over in ellis island right. the guy wrote down wrote down whatever he thought was closest to it well Next. there's totally well there's a scene in the godfather too yeah. uh where where um uh you know the guy just what village are you from and it's you know corleone you know or whatever and that's what he writes down as his name so um all right and this is all true here's tim riley a pedestrian was killed in st john's after being hit by a dump truck the truck was also pulling a trailer, hit the man near the intersection of North Ivanhoe and North Baltimore. Police described the victim as a transient in his late 20s. They say he was walking west on Ivanhoe with two others when he stepped in front of the trailer and was killed instantly. The dump truck remained at the scene, and the driver was cooperative. Step in front of a dump truck, bad things happen. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. How's it going? What's up? Do you want to know how they make swizzle sticks? Are we talking about, hold on, let's, are we talking about swizzle sticks or coffee stir sticks? Well, coffee stir sticks, you know, toothpicks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
because swizzle sticks are quite a different animal. Swizzle sticks are often uh, fluorescent in color, and they have like that little ball on the end of them, and sometimes they're decorative and occasionally shaped like tiny swords. Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, coffee sticks. How do they make those? Um, well, first of all, they take a big, huge log, and they make uh, veneer out of it. They take a knife, and they, you know, shave it, so you have veneer. You know what veneer is, right? Right, yes. Okay, and then the veneer goes on a conveyor belt, and it goes through a press, and voila. And the press just, does the press kind of stamp it out? Yeah, they they, they just, the veneer is the thickness of your stir stick, and then they just, it's, they get how many across they can get out of the single piece, and they just keep stamping it. Done. And then what happens to the remnants? Do they burn those, or do they go off to a pulping mill? Uh, well, if it's China, they probably burn it, you know? <laughs> they probably uh, they probably start a fire so they can burn the bodies of their political enemies. Yeah, right. and, right. uh, you know, that, that press that comes down to stamp everything, you, you figure something that's like four feet by eight feet wide, making right. just one stamp a thousand at a time. Man, that would be a bad thing to fall underneath. Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? All right. Thank you, sir. Hey, you bet. Have a good day. Thank you. All right. And then it's turned into candy for children. Yes, it is, Tim. Uh, all right, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Fruit. So I'll put this dog whispering. Wait, where did my pen go? Oh, God. Wait, hold on. Oh, no, it's never all going to start it. falling no. apart. Oh, no. Where, where did my pen go? Oh, for the love of... All right. No, no, no. I'm a pro. I'll, I'll work through it. All right, we'll move on. Where the hell is Just my find your... You're not going to be able to concentrate. Ladies and gentlemen, we're holding up the, pro, the program until we find that pen. And then Rick can clean off specs from the counter. Look, you jerks. I'm just trying to... Be, I'm trying to write things down. How else am I going to book the dog whisperer? Do I don't have a pen? pen? Would you like to borrow this pen? No. That's is not this the, your pen? Not the did same. you bring it yes, over it here? Yes, it is. I did. Thank you, Sarah. Thank oh, you that's a, one of those fancy oh. Dave Zinn pens. Yes, it is. This is the Precise V5RT from Pilot. This is the, my new pen of choice. Um, all right. Dog whisperer. Yes. All right. I'll put Richie on this. All right, excellent. Here's Tim Riley on KCMD, Portland. Grasshoppers have taken over eastern Oregon. The Oregon Legislature's Emergency Board has approved $119,000 to kill them. The insects have averaged 20 grasshoppers per square yard for most of the summer. Grasshopper. I barely knew her. So far, monetary damages have not yet been added up. Republican State Senator Ted Ferrioli says it's a plague of biblical proportions for eastern Oregon. Really? Yeah. Actual biblical purport. I mean, what, what that's, a, that's an amorphous unit of measurement, though. That's like a cubit. Mm-hmm. Who really knows what a biblical proportion is? What proportion would that be? That is an well Ill- for Eastern Oregon. That's overly vague. It's that a, term. A parting of the sands of Eastern Oregon due to these grasshoppers. <laughs> uh, okay. Hey, are grasshoppers? They're not the same thing as uh, as locusts, right? That's a different thing. That's a different thing. All right. Okay. Here's Tim Riley. Vancouver firefighters say an unattended pot. Wait, on hold stove. on. Let's back up. Wait, so they're different than locusts. So that's not a biblical. Pro- there I thought is... a grasshopper was a locust. I don't Stop. know. Stop calling. Stop calling. Put down your phones now. Now. The 666 guy with the small apartment's going to call you right back. Seriously. Step away from the phone. I'm just saying, let's, let's operate for a moment under the assumption that grasshoppers and locusts are different because I think they are. Therefore, there is no biblical proportion. To be used as a, as a system of measurement, because grasshoppers don't attack, unless you're a Mormon, grasshoppers don't attack anything in the Bible. That's all locusts and boils and, uh, you know, firstborn males and all that. There's no grasshoppers attacking anything in the Bible, so that's just wrong and lazy thinking to say that that is a plague of biblical proportions. There is no precedent for that, so I won't have it. Right, here's that is right. true, though. It is. Species that change color and behavior at high population densities are called locusts. They are the same thing. Wait, so grasshoppers are locusts? Apparently so. Is a locust the overarching term, and many things can be locusts? Like as a cricket? I think then? locusts are the category. So like a cricket is a locust? 
This is way too much thought. Well, now I almost do want somebody to call, because now I want to know if crickets and grasshoppers are separate from each other, but if they're both locusts. All right, locusts sounds more menacing anyway. Grasshoppers just sound stupid. Locusts are several species of short-horned grasshoppers. So it's, okay, wait a minute. So all locusts are grasshoppers, but not all grasshoppers are locusts. That is correct, yes. Okay, well, there you go. Don't call again. Now, we've already done. See, we've got the end. We've figured it out. All right, so it could be a biblical proportions. All right, I stand corrected. I apologize to whatever that town is. Here's Tim Riley. Grasshoppers are best known for the 1957 <laughs> film Beginning of the End, featuring mutated giant grasshoppers attacking Chicago. That movie starring Peter Graves, ladies and gentlemen. Are we done with grasshoppers? See, that was a joke inside a joke. They're crickets. They're locusts. Never mind. Fine. Let's move on. So some teenagers of Vancouver started a fire that caused $100,000 in damages. The homeowner's teenage children left a pot on the stove, and it ignited cardboard boxes on a nearby shelf. It took firefighters an hour to put the fire out. The teenagers got out safely, though. They're probably going to be punished. Free to burn again, Tim. Metal thieves have struck five Eugene electricity substations. The crews were doing a routine inspection when they discovered copper grounding wires had been clipped. The copper is painted green for identification, and more than 200 feet of wire have been stolen. Over the weekend, Eugene police say copper thieves stole about 700 feet of wire, supplying power to over, uh, well, many, many headlights on the riverbank in the bike path. 200, okay, never mind, never mind. I take it back. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, I just wanted to say that uh, I have the Dog Whisperers book. And it's got a picture of him being towed by probably 10 dogs on roller skates. Really? Does it? It's amazing. Okay. I mean, I can't even walk my dogs, two dogs, without them trying to kill me. Which, which book is this? Uh, it's called Caesar's Way. It's excellent. All right. It's um, going to be an awesome interview. Okay, yeah, his new book, A Member of the Family, goes on sale. Uh, so we're going to try to book the dog whispering guy next yes, week. All right, excellent. We will do, sir. Thank you so much. I also wanted to say that uh, W. Bush has been very busy burning his electrolytes trying to sail Jill. Thank you. Well done. All right. Fantastic. Uh, one more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello, sir. Hey, what's going on, man? What's, what's up? Hey, your uh, observation about the election and George Carlin almost brought a tear to my eye. It's, I, I, just, I was thinking about it last night when I watched Sarah Palin talking. You know, people can think we're picking on her or not, but she's obviously as dumb as a box of hair. I mean, there's just no getting around that. I'm not saying she won't do well tonight. She she gives she speaks very well you when she's giving speeches. You don't have to be smart to be a good politician no. to get elected. Exactly. You only have to be effective. And so, uh, lest anybody think that it's just because she's a Republican or whatever, she's just obviously, I mean, she's uh, dumb as a box of hammers. So, I just desperately wish that George Carlin was, was here to see it. It just all hit me last night, and then in rapid succession, I thought, and Tim Russert, and Hunter S. Thompson. I mean, it's just, it's so unfair that they're not here to see it. It pains me. It really does. Yeah, he got he got ripped off, I think. I, I mean, you know, it's like it's like the, the Reaper just took him at the, the perfectly wrong time. All th I mean, both of them. I mean, Russert, too. Russert, who, I mean, Carlin, I mean, at least you can say, hey, he was a cokehead for a long time and, uh, you know, was a, you know, was a heavy drug user for a long period of time. So maybe, you know, he didn't necessarily live the healthiest lifestyle, heart attack, maybe not a big surprise. Hunter Thompson, you know, he offs himself at the typewriter. Okay, he picked that. Russert, though, Russert's literally at his desk working away and by all accounts led a very clean life. Uh, kind of a big guy, but other than that, just bam, keels over. It's uh, it's not right. It really, and so I like to think that there is some poker game uh, going in the great beyond, and they're all sitting around watching the TV right now. 
I hope they're they're laughing really hard. You, I, I, do you doubt it at all? I mean, no, I, I, I really don't. Yeah. Um, hey, I, I, I was gonna suggest something. Uh, yes, you know, you're always suggesting books and movies that people should be watching. Yes, my uh, You should, uh, you know, do a do sort of a midnight movie showing of, of your own, not to step on you know Court and Fatboy's toes. Well, that's kind of why we don't do it. They've sort of carved that territory out, and I don't want to be that guy. Uh, so, uh, you know, we talked about. I mean, it's obviously up to them. We've talked about doing, you know, a joint thing as like a one-off, doing like maybe some special thing where we kind of do it together as the two shows. But uh, yeah, they've they've kind of, you know, they've 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 kind of planted their flag on that. So I, uh, you know, uh, Rick Emerson is a team player, so uh, I don't want to step on anybody's toes. Well, you know, there's there's always video rentals for that, I guess. I suppose that is true, sir. All right, All right thank, thank you. Fun. All right, there you go. Here's Tim Riley. The firefighter who stole the severed leg has resigned. Dateline, Florida. Dateline, Florida. Stupid. Okay, fine. The firefighter accused of taking a Melbourne man severed leg from a crash has resigned. Cindy Akunamu told investigators, yes, she took that leg. She was using that leg to train her cadaver dog. So, uh... That's a funny phrase. Oh, I'm sorry. Cadaver. I barely knew her. Um, cadaver dog is a funny phrase. They ought to sell one of those at Halloween at Wiener Schnitzel or something. I'll take one cadaver dog. Maybe not. It flows really well. Cadaver it does. Dog. Cadaver dog is great. There should be a band called that. I'm going to Google it right now. I bet there oh, is. Me too. I'll Damn sit it. here and wait. Oh, and my watch. internet's all slow. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll Google it. Cadaver. Bam. Done. Ladies and gentlemen, okay. you can see. Wait. Here we go. Me. Uh, there doesn't appear to be a band. It's uh, human remains detection canine training. Um, let me let me add a search term. Let me add music. Music. Mm, here we go. Cadaver dog. Cadaver dog. There's actual Wait, books. There's a MySpace page. There's that? a MySpace profile. There doesn't appear to be a band called Cadaver Dog. I want to form like some terrible rock band just so I can do that. Form some horrible, like, you know, band just so I... Oh, my God. Did you see this kid's MySpace profile with no. Cadaver Dog? Is he evil? Oh, my You have to look at it. Hold on. Let me, let me look. All right, here. I'll go back to that. Oh, well, of course. Of, of course that's the case. Cadaver dog, dog worships only what you bleed. Whatever. All right. I'm forming a metal band called Cadaver Dog. Everybody just has to be okay with that. That's uh, I'm calling that name right I now. I can live with that. All right, there you go. Uh, here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. You know, there was some big storm in Texas that everybody forgot about. Maybe everybody's paying attention to other things. Was that that hurricane? Yeah, it says 300 people are still missing, but nobody's talking about it. 300 people are missing? Yeah. And nobody's, nobody's mentioning it? No. How is it that one white girl goes missing in Aruba somewhere, or, you know, anywhere, mm -hmm. and it's a huge story? All news must stop. White girl missing. 300 people vanish in Texas. It's the first I've heard of it. Alligators loom over submerged cars, mountains of debris embedded in the ground. The bodies of cows, trucks, and remains of homes lie in and out of water. About 300 people still missing since Hurricane Ike hit Texas last month. This happened... This has been going on for a month. Oh, I know. People have been missing for a month. Why is nobody covering this? Well, I think we know that. Here's what, you know. Family and friends want answers. Here's what we ought to do, Tim. Well, because Texas, I mean, because Texas is also, uh, how do I put this? Texas is a border state. And as we, as we know, sometimes the media focuses on certain types of missing folks and maybe less so others. Yes. Okay, here's what we need to do. No, no, no. This is a great thing. When I run for president, here's, uh, here's what we're going to do. KCMD Portland. Yes, that as well. Uh, you know, they do that like a chicken in every pot. Here's what we're going to do when I'm president. We're going to put a white girl on every street in this country because then maybe the media, media will pay attention when something bad happens. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is some goddamn Natalie Holloway. She's missing. Find her now. Who cares? Who cares? Seriously. Uh, you know, every time some blonde Caucasian girl is snatched up off the street somewhere, it's like the entire Western Hemisphere grinds to a halt until we locate her. 300 people vanish in a border state, and suddenly, apparently not that important. And, uh, you know, you can make the argument that maybe they stayed in the hurricane and therefore are kind of hoist by their own petard, but that's the case with half the missing white girls anyway. I don't know, the last time I saw her, she was leaving the back of the bar with some huge guy that had a tattoo that said, born to kill. I don't know what happened to her. So, we need to start uh, assigning... Like one white girl to hang around with every five uh, other people in America, just, you know, as sort of like a canary in the coal mine. Then if something bad happens, the media will then have no choice but to cover the whole thing. I like that idea. All right, that's going to be part of the Emerson platform. Here's Tim Riley. The Dow Jones plummeted more than 350 points today on going investor fears over whether Congress can muster a bailout plan this week. Of course, it passed in the Senate. Uh, the president urged the House to approve this rescue plan, saying it's essential for solving the nation's credit crisis. So they're supposed to do that tomorrow. So wait, the vote, so the uh, Senate passed it, and then the House may or may not. Uh, I would say it would. So we were down 700, then we were up 5, now we're down 3. It doesn't matter at this point. <laughs> I mean, it I mean, check, check your stocks sometime next year. That's really that's my thing. It's like you know, even Why my, disappoint yourself. Totally. Even my wife, who has been just a, an obsessive compulsive about checking our our stocks and her four hundred one k, even she has been like, she's like, you know what, F it. I'm gonna look in like February. She's like, I'll come back next year sometime and I'll look. Cause why? Why look now? It's just gonna be sadness. Right. Put a little happiness in your life. Ignore your investments. Exactly. They'll take care of themselves. Here's Tim Riley. So they finally found that guy, that adventurer, Steve Fawcett. Oh, did they find him or his stuff? Well, his stuff. And his airplane. The Madeira County Sheriff's Department told reporters the aircraft wreckage was spotted last night by a search team. They did locate an aircraft, which we have now confirmed is the one that Steve Fawcett was flying when it disappeared last Labor Day. So we do have a location and a verification that the aircraft has been found. You know, I was trying to think of somebody uh, for whom I have less sympathy than, let's say, uh, investment bankers or people who gave out bad loans. That guy, Steve Fawcett, even less sympathy for him. Hi, I'm a billionaire. Pay attention to my stupid, like, I mean, it basically is like making us follow. The media just loved that guy. Yeah. What's your deal? I'm a billionaire, and I float around the world in a balloon tempting death. And then everybody was obliged to care about it when it really is. It's like it's like stamp book collecting for the billionaire set. So, uh, you know what? The, you float around the world in a balloon, bad things happen. The plane crashed into a mountainside. It was a head-on crash into the side of a mountain, into a rock. The plane moved up in an upward direction for 100 feet or so and disintegrated. The engine was found about 300 feet farther than the fuselage and the wing. Was this the plane he built himself? Was that the deal with this? Because he's the, you know, because Steve Austin is the around the world in a balloon guy. Yes. And isn't this plane? Isn't this a plane that he built like in his backyard or something? That was his whole deal. Like, look at me, I'm a billionaire. I'm building a plane. Pay attention to me. So disintegrated. Well, all right. His remains have not been found. The crash looked to be the point so severe that I doubt if someone would have uh, walked away from it. Well, what can you do? Here's Tim Riley. Eight line, Florida. Wait, 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 wait. Oh no! Damn it! I'm so late on that. That was I. I just choked. A Fort Myers man shot himself in the arm after his girlfriend refused to have sex with him. The county sheriff's department says 29-year-old Jonathan Gubello and his girlfriend returned home from a bar. The girlfriend told deputies that he wanted to get intimate, but she just wanted to sleep. When he became irate, authorities said the girlfriend went to a spare bedroom, and seven, several moments later, she heard two gunshots. 
He then stumbled into so the kitchen you. and just died in a pool of blood. <laughs> <laughs> he died? Oh, that's great. Yes. Wonderful. Oh. All right. Are you showing her a friend? I love people, especially people in Florida. Oh, by the way, speaking of Florida, so first of all, did you know that we have a Facebook account, like a fan page? Uh, Thomas set it up, so it's oh, not I creepy. Not. Uh, not that it would be creepy if somebody, I mean, you know what I mean, like some guy, uh, you know, like, uh, I'm Sarah Dillon. Um, but there's a Facebook, like a fan page uh, for the show or whatever, you know, like a listener page uh, for us on Facebook. You know who left a comment there the other day? Who? Richard Nunn. No way. Richard Nunn, like two days ago. Uh, left a Facebook message for us, and he said, uh, East or West and near and far, you know, always a fan, blah, 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 Richard Nunn. So, hello, Richard Nunn. Um, hey, also, from, well, this is not from Florida. This is from Wisconsin. Uh, this one doesn't end in a death, but it's pretty satisfying nonetheless. This is from Mukwanago, Wisconsin. Mukwanago police said a man was burned while using a lighter to steal gas from a van. Oh, jeez. Police said the man was visiting friends when he didn't drive home early Saturday morning. He didn't have enough gas and attempted to siphon some from a van into his SUV. Police, this is so great, into his SUV, of course. Police said when he couldn't see how much gas was in the container, he used a lighter to check. A blast of fire burned his hands and upper body. Oh, okay. Here's Tim Riley. Vera Katz is going back to work. She's going to work for a public relations agency called the Gallatin Group. She's 75, by the way. The agency said they will call upon her decades of public service in Oregon as she advises the clients. She's going to be in the PR field. Her first client will be OMSI. So she's 75. I didn't think, well, she looks pretty good for yeah, 75. She's got and everything she's been through. Uh, by the way, Richie's pointed out there's a Canadian band called Cadaver Dogs. Yeah, stupid Canadians. I wonder if they suck. Let me uh, go to their webpage. All right, here's Tim Riley. Dateline, Florida. I can't. I'm doing it. You're stacking the deck. <laughs> All right. A paraplegic man is robbed of his wheelchair. Oh. Well, it's Florida. That is not right. No, it isn't. Okay. So uh, somebody bashed around this homeless paraplegic man over the head with a board and stole his wheelchair and money. 64-year-old Robert Denise was found uh, looking for help around the uh, bank building there in Pompano Beach. They believe the attacker is the same man who threatened two other people with that same piece of wood earlier in the evening. Threatened you with this wood. Uh, okay, so I'm looking here at the Cadaver Dogs uh, MySpace page. Founded in the winter of 01 by some guy and some guy at a fire trap, ramshackle, blah, blah, blah. They are the next wrong thing in country music. They're a country band. Oh, they are. Uh, let's see. Blah, blah, blah. Kick ass. Blah, blah, blah. They say kick ass three times in all caps in the space of, like, I don't know, one paragraph. Uh, all right. So I'm guessing that there's some kind of uh, terrible, like, rockabilly band. That would be my guess. I, Yeah, but one of the songs, I'm not going to play any of these. Uh, one of the songs is called S-Storm. So that's, I'm not going to play that. Here. Snowstorm? Well, sure. Depending on where you live, here's Tim Riley. A woman is dead after stealing a radio station's van. This is Hut 106.1, and I guess this is Texas. It all began with a hot uh, 106.1 vehicle was stolen from a Chili's parking lot at 1.30 in the afternoon. Police quickly put out a notice looking for it. It was spotted in almost 100 miles. It, was, it had rolled over several times <laughs> after authorities tried to stop the driver. 
The 46-year-old woman who stole the vehicle died in that crash. Oh, so now we'll never know. That's so terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't care that she's dead. I'm not really concerned that she's dead. She sure. was wearing hospital shoe covers. Oh, so she was nuts. She was nuts. I was going to say, because why would you steal a radio station van? Yeah. The van was up and attended and uh, turned on as employees were inside the restaurant helping raise money for children's hospital. Oh, I see. That's what happens when you steal money from children. God kills you instantly in a rollover. All right. Uh, by the way, in about uh, five, six minutes, we'll talk to a Big Jim, uh, our co-worker, who will come in uh, and count on his top five teenager angst moping songs. Later on, Dorothy Costaseri from the National Enquirer, Glorious Bastard of the Week. Uh, we'll set up the rules for the VP debate drinking game. Uh, it is high concept Thursday. Oh, we got to tell our Timmy T story, uh, or Richie does, uh, as well, and uh, so forth. We'll uh, return now to Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. A woman is arrested after chasing children, urinating on the porch and blocking traffic, all while wearing a cow suit. <laughs> 32-year-old Michelle Allen was chasing children while wearing a cow costume. I wonder if she was saying moo or something else. Like, was she speaking as a cow or as herself? And which would be more unnerving, actually? Let me ask you this. Quick poll. A woman is chasing you while you're, a woman is urinating while chasing you in a cow suit. What is more terrifying, if she says, I'm going to kill you, or if she just says, moo? I would say moo. Sarah? I'd say I'm going to kill you. Yeah, I don't know. I think... She's already lost control of her body functions. Yeah. Helen can't be that far behind. The whole thing, I know it's supposed to be terrifying, but I, the whole thing is just hilarious. Maybe less she so over there. She slurred her speech, and was belligerent. Oh, good she even cussed at a cop. All right. The Pentagon is inching closer to replacing the Humvee, once called the Jeep on steroids, and currently the vehicular backbone of the U.S. military in Iraq. The Defense Department next month is expected to select at least three of the seven competing teams to advance to the next phase of a multi-billion dollar competition to build a lighter, more agile vehicle. All right, I have a question. I hate to interrupt you, Tim. So uh, we're over in uh, what Miss South Carolina would call the Iraq. The Iraq. We should play that Miss South Carolina, the Iraq thing back to back with one of those Sarah Palin clips and just see how similar they sound. But they are similar. They really are. Um all right, so uh, we're over there in the Iraq and the Afghanistan and the whatever. And Iraq is a desert, so it's uh, you know it's hot there, a lot of sun and so forth. Yeah. Doesn't it seem like of all places that's where we ought to be unveiling some solar-powered vehicle? Mm-hmm. That makes all the sense in the world now that I think about it. Why in the name of God? And don't give me pedal me this jazz that they got to be able to go 100 miles an hour because that's just not that. From everything I've heard, that's not the case. That you almost never need to be driving those things at full speed. It is a very orderly procession through most places. And you could, frankly, you could have. Uh, you know, a standby gas-powered, like a, a regular catalytic converter, you know, like a, a combustion, an internal combustion engine, a catalytic converter, combustion engine, in case you needed to really accelerate and get out of somewhere. But if you're in the desert where the sun just beats down every day like a big beating thing, why would you in the, have not invented uh, a solar-powered Humvee or other military vehicle, another solar-powered military vehicle by, uh, right now? That just seems like a thing that, that seems like a given. That seems like an absolute, the very definition of a no-brainer. All right. We really ought to be running this whole joint, Tim. Mm-hmm. All right. Five Hollywood studios have agreed to help pay for a $1 billion plus rollout of digital technology on 20,000 movie screens in North America. This is a precursor to showing movies in 3D. Digital Cinema Implementation Partners, a consortium of major theaters, announced the deal. It is a rollout in the U.S. and Canada covering about half of all screens to help offset the cost of about 70000 per theater the studios plan to pay the consortium slightly under $1,000 per movie screen. I somehow lost the thread of this story early on. They're paying how much? They are going to pay a billion dollars. Who is doing this? Five Hollywood Studios. And this is to have what? 20,000 movie screens in North America to show digital movies. 
Digital or 3D? It says digital and 3D. Is there a big demand? Is this because of that new James Cameron 3D thing, that Avatar? Because when is the last time anybody, has anybody here ever seen a 3D movie that did not suck on some level, that did not have blurry weirdness and give you a headache? I, don't I didn't see a 3D movie. I didn't. Okay, this is another one of those things you say, like I've like I've uh, never cut myself shaving and I don't ever wear, you know, I, I've never put on brown socks. I mean, it, you've seen a 3D movie. Why do you have to lie like that? Yes, you've seen, never seen it. You have. All right, name one that I've seen. Did you, never, did you never see House of Wax? No. Did you never see uh, the, uh, the Incredible Screaming Skull? No. Jaws 3D? No. You never saw Jaws 3D? No, I never did. Okay, but see, this just, I, look, I don't, it's not that I care, but I'm saying this is another thing that challenges all that I know about you, because, Tim, you are very much steeped in a certain kind of Americana. Uh-huh. And seeing, and, and in a certain era of filmmaking, with you know, there's a certain era of American entertainment that you quite like. It's and good. a huge part of the 50s and 60s was 3D movies. Creature from the Black Lagoon. No. Okay, I, you know, I, I've probably seen it, but not in 3D. I'm not judging you, you understand. I'm just saying I'm surprised. Oh. I am very, I am shocked, actually, that you've never seen, I'm not disappointed. I really am just very, I'm very surprised by the fact that you've never seen a 3D movie. No. That is really strange to me. Well, okay. Um, so, uh, Sarah, did you see Beowulf? Yes. Was it bad? I mean, did, it was the worst thing n- I've ever seen. Not the ever. movie itself, though. The 3D effects, how were they? Bad? No, they were pretty Blurry? Cool. No, they're not blurry. Okay, so see, maybe so maybe they are, you know, maybe they are, they finally got a, like a handle on it. They're the, they're the only thing that saved that Because it was crap, movie. right? It was the worst. It was, um, it, there were some scenes that it was the most unintentionally hilarious thing I've ever seen in my life. But overall, it was... And it was, was like the awful. bad animation and... It wasn't even the bad animation. Yeah, it was kind of like the, the creepy dead eye animation and right. the story was stupid and... There was not a good redeeming quality except for the 3D aspect. Because the, James Cameron's got that movie Avatar coming out, which supposedly is going to... And when Cameron says... See, when when George Lucas says things, everybody... Or Bill Gates, you know, this could be the greatest advance in computing. You just sort of ignore it because, you know, it's just crap. It's just hype. When James Cameron says something, though, you believe it. I mean, he's he's never really let us down. I mean, James Cameron, that's money in the bank when he makes a prediction. And Cameron has spent... I mean, he put out Titanic in 97. So he's like been 11 years... Uh, this movie Avatar apparently revolutionizes the whole 3D thing. It, uh, it just uh, takes it to the. He, it's going to do for 3D what Terminator 2 uh, and The Abyss did for CGI, and that is that is the word on the street anyway. That's what the kids are kind of saying. So maybe that's what this is sort of part of that because 3D is a technology that really it should be cool. Like it, it would be great if it worked because in the right circumstance, it's kind of you know it's kind of bitching. But but more often than not, I mean I'm trying to think if I've ever seen a good movie. In 3D, and there's actually, that's a two-part question. One is, have I ever seen a movie where the 3D was done well? I can say right now, no. Now, I didn't see Beowulf. I saw Ghost It was of... pretty neat. There's some cavern scenes where it does look really, really cool. And it didn't have the weird ghosting where there was, like, double images? No, no, but it's, like, all, you know, fancy and digital. Right. And there are a lot of things, like, flying at you. Like, when someone would turn with a spear, you know, it looked like it was right in front of your totally. face. It that's... looked pretty real. Well, that goes to point two. So let me do point one. Wait, hold on. Uh, the, the last time I saw a 3D movie, and it was actually the best I've ever seen it done, though not that great, was Ghosts of the Abyss, which is a James Cameron. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. Oh, you got to see that. It's a documentary about the Titanic, but it's in 3D. So James Cameron made this Titanic documentary where he mixes in actual undersea footage of the Titanic wreck with visualizations of how it looked 
when it was still around. Oh, that sounds amazing. And, and then there are these sequences where he layers the two over each other to where there are ghosts of passengers sort of strolling around the deck of the undersea wreck, and it's all in 3D. Oh. It's righteous. It's really good. I was obsessed with the Titanic when yeah. I was little. Like in fifth grade, I used to write papers. Like if you could pick it, I would write papers and papers, and they had tons of books on it and everything. you got to see it. Seen that. Even if it's not in 3D, Ghosts of the Abyss uh, is worth seeing. Uh, so, but that being said, the, the 3D technology was still not all that great. And then that leads to the second point, which is that movies that are in 3D are typically terrible. And they're not terrible because they're in 3D. They're in 3D because they're terrible. In other words, the studio says, look, there's no way we're going to make any money on this. No one will come see this dog of a film unless we find some gimmick. 3D. That's why you get, uh, that's why you get Friday the 13th, uh, 3 in 3D. J uh, Jaws, 3D. That's why you get Nightmare on Elm Street, Six? Five? Something. Nightmare on Elm Street, something or other. It was partially in 3D. Not even all of it. Partially in 3D. Star Chaser, The Legend of Orin. Uh, you get that uh, in 3D because there's no other way. And so the movie is, as Sarah pointed out, filled with endless scenes of a guy going, Wait, hold on a second. Give me a moment. I'm going to play with this paddleball game. Bonk, bonk, bonk. At the, like at the screen. Which is stupid and distracting in the theater and then pointless when you're watching it at home. Uh, you know, so anyway, there you go. And so forth. Hey, Richie, are we, uh, we have Big Jim at some point? I think we're going to do the top five here in just a skosh. Uh, we'll do some more news here in a moment as well. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, how's it going? What's up, sir? Well, actually, I have kind of a strange request for you. Mm -hmm. I was just wondering, uh, what you guys, uh, have planned as far as the top five for Halloween? Uh, you're thinking way, way ahead, but I don't know. What do you have in mind, sir? Well... Because this is the sort of question that really only masks the fact that you have a suggestion. I, I do. What actually. is your suggestion? Well, uh, Halloween is my birthday, and That's I That's pretty cool. Have, it is, um, except that I was a devil child growing up, but... Um, <laughs> uh, do you guys ever have listeners go into the studio and give their top thoughts? We've done that from, uh, you know, time uh, from time to time. We've had people come in and, you know, count down... Uh, you know, like their favorite songs or their favorite whatever. I think we've done two or three different listener top fives. Uh, and we'll probably be doing one uh, on this uh, Teenage Ang songs. We'll probably at some point be having a listener We're coming to do. We're doing one with a listener tomorrow. With the oh, that's okay. right. Andy, the homeschool kid tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, so from time to time. But what would your what would your top five be specifically? Oh, just like, you know, you've already kind of worn out the inks thing. I was just going to say top five songs I listened to when I was young that I liked a lot made me happy. Well, think, try to think about something more specific maybe that ties into the Halloween theme a little bit that does okay. not contain Monster Mash, sir. Oh, hell no. That can't, that can't be played. So give, give it some thought and then uh, get in touch with us in like a, a week or two. Okay. Sounds All great. Right. Thank you. Thanks for All right. You know, here's the thing. This year, we have a no Monster Mash rule on the show, and I've had that on every show. I've Ever since I was given the authority over what I played on a program, I mean, so for the last, I don't know, I guess maybe 14 years, uh, the moment that I regained any kind of control over the content of my program, I immediately got rid of because, you know, and you probably had to play Monster Mash a million times. Oh, yes. And the thing is, and, and here's the living hell that is Monster Mash, and I don't mean the knock on, on uh, Bobby Pickett. I mean... <laughs> Look, if you, uh, seriously, if you, and Jim is already snorting in the background, <laughs> why must you trample on a man's grave? Never, never, never in a million years. It's a, it's a fine slice of Americana. Here's the thing. If you can find a way to make money, you just whore that for every dollar you can. <laughs> I No, seriously, I have no problem with that. I really don't. 
That's what this country is all about. You wring every cent out of that out of that dumb song, that idea. You know that guy Terry Jacks that wrote Seasons in the Sun. Yeah. You know he has a big ass boat. It's like a hundred. You know it's huge. I don't even know how long it's. I was gonna say hundred feet. Is that big for a boat? It's a it's a yacht. It's massive, <laughs> and it's just called Seasons in the Sun. And I saw an interview with him, and he's floating around in the back of his like big ass like look at me yacht, and he points at it and he goes. Yep, that one song paid for all this and more. And, I mean, that's it, right? <laughs> Same thing, Rupert Holmes' Pina Colada song. Do you know he has a boat just called Escape? Why? That one song bought him a boat. And he just rolls it, and he just every single time he can shake that tree for a little more cash, he does. And God bless him, because that's what makes this the greatest country on earth. Amen. So Bobby Pickett discovered at an early age, his friend said, hey, you sound like Boris Karloff. Um, and, uh, and he went, well, really? And they said, you ought to do something with that. So he writes Monster Mash. Over brandies at some bar somewhere. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. Over coffee at Elaine's. And, uh, you know, and he cranks it up, big hit. And then, you know, but then he's like Chevy Checker, where it's like every 18 months he's trying to find some way to re-release it, some reason to re-record it or cover it. My dad has the 33 record, the Monster Mash Party, which is basically Monster Mash and then nine other songs that all hew to the same. I should bring that in, actually, and play some of his other lesser-known hits. And I know that sounds like a retarded concept, that I'm playing other hits by Bobby Boris Pickett. <laughs> but, I mean, there's, like, Monster's Holiday. There's Let's Fly Away. There's, um... um Demon Dance. I, I'm just trying to throw Are you bluffing? I'm bluffing completely. There's a, but there's a whole LP of Monster songs by Bobby Pickett and the Crypt Kickers. And, uh... <laughs> anyway, so, I mean, you know, that's what the, the guy did. go to Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> um... So I don't have any problem with that guy. It was just that as a DJ, you just ha and as an American, you just had to hear it yeah. all the time. And it's on every compilation. It's at every party you go to. And across all formats, you had to play it. I mean, it didn't matter. Classic rock, oldies, country. Gregorian chants. <laughs> the all The all Albanian hand clap channel, you know? Monster Mash! Uh, you know, and so I was just like, F that. Uh, never going to play it again. Now that he's dead, I might actually play it, which I know is a cruel irony. Uh, now that he's not around to have my he's support, I'll keep it to um, well, well, actually, I thought that song was almost public domain, because, I mean, it was that so omnipresent and everywhere. Yeah. It is it is ubiquitous. So, all right. Uh, are we doing the top five now, we, Sarah? Because we have Dorothy, right? Uh, like 140 or so. So okay, yeah, yeah, we, we should... got to get cracking. All right. So, Let's ladies and gentlemen, five. without further ado... We'll do the day's top five. Three, two, one, fire. Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, as we plumb the depths of teenage despair, we come to Big Jim from yes. Rock 101 KUFO. Um, is there anybody in your station who hasn't come on to do a top five? I think it's just Crystal at this point. I think so, yeah. Crystal and probably Marconi as well. But uh, I've actually I've waited a little too long uh, with this whole thing because I had my top five instantly as soon as I heard you were doing this with everyone. Yeah. And uh, as the days sort of ticked by and turned into weeks... My my five was just gone. They were peeled away. Oh yeah, it was yeah. like uh, vultures just picking away at it. And before I realized, I'm like, I have to come up with. I mean, I have to dig deep, and they can't be show tunes. I'll five more songs. Yeah, yeah. All right. So I mean, and it was. It's either all show tunes or all Pearl Jam. I'm not sure what it's going to be, but I, I think I came up with a pretty decent list. And these are all songs that I legitimately, you know, if I knew what cutting was, I probably would have done that to these at, at back at the time. 
All right, these are Big Jim's top five teenage angst moping songs. Tim Riley, kick us off, please. Honorary mention goes to extreme and more than words. Excellent. Oh, yes. Couples oh, and yes. backwards skating only. Couples and backwards skating only. So this is uh, 90, 89? Somewhere around there, yeah. And it's, it has obviously become a bit of a joke in uh, the rock genre. But uh, at the time when this came out, man, this was like, you know, it, it proved that every tough guy could have a soft side. It is too bad about this song because yeah. it is a legitimately great song. But A, it's a song that is it's hard to separate the song from the fact that, as you said, you've heard it everywhere. It's become yeah. a joke. I wish I could go back, you know, sometimes. The songs that really ought to be just sealed in a capsule for like 20 years so that we can hear them again fresh. Because I can't hear the song fresh anymore. I don't even remember if I like it. I, I guess I did, <laughs> but I can't tell. You get this overwhelming sense of, eh. Yeah, and this is the song that broke up the band, too, although it took a couple more records because the record company kept saying, like, do another one. Do yeah. Give me one more of those. Like, okay, and, how about Kid Ego? How obvious a title is that yeah. for an album? And, and the pressure of trying to replicate this just busted up the band, which is too bad. This also goes out to my boy Dave Zinn because he and I share a special secret love for Extreme. All right. This song also was responsible for, like Patience, for a bunch of terrible knockoffs of this song that were all basically metal bands doing some lame, unplugged thing. Uh, the most egregious offender being Love is on the Way by Saigon Kick. Oh. Yeah. No. That is. You know that song? Oh, yeah. That's a terrible song. <laughs> I should play that. It's crap. It's crap from front to back. All right, Big Jim's top five teenage angst-ridden moping songs. Tim Riley? Number five, that King Cola was Stardust. Look at you having layers. I'm saying, dude. Aww. Three words that will honestly live for all eternity, provided that, that audio is still around in the distant, distant future. Nat the King Cole. And that's four and words. now the purple well. dusk of twilight time. Oh, listen to that. Steals across the meadows of my heart. I'm impressed that you were listening to this as a teenager. Absolutely. I, I, just, I would go through my, my parents' uh, LPs and, and whatnot, and what I couldn't find or play, I would sort of steal from friends' parents and right. whatnot. So I came across this guy. I'm just like, listen to that. It can literally melt steel. You wander down the lane and far away. Wow. Leaving me a song. Plus, I had a really, really bad breakup, and um, unfortunately, my sensitivity uh, caused me to be attached to Sleepless in Seattle, which this was on the soundtrack. And right, yeah. yeah. Nothing to be, nothing to be ashamed of. Wow. Music of the years. I could listen to this all day. Good choice. Well done, sir. Thank you. And that's number five. All right. Big Jim's top five teenage moping songs. Tim Riley. Number four, Savage Garfunkel, I Am A Rock. Yeah. It's a great song. Totally. This is one of my favorite songs ever. Yeah. Excellent. A winter's day. God bless YouTube. In a deep and dark December.
This is one of those songs that it's easy to be sort of uh, dismissive of or snarky about because again, because it's a, because it can seem like one of those songs that's cliched, you know. It seems a bit heavy-handed, melodramatic. But, yeah, but it's not the slow, drawn-out kind of uh, pain, pain-filled song. It's actually almost upbeat and happy right. as it's talking about all this stuff. And a rock feels no pain, and a rock never cries. And it's one of those songs that, because it is so emotion on the sleeve, you could be sort of, you know, you could be jerky about it and be like, oh, yeah, okay, melodramatic Paul Simon and bad poetry or whatever. You know, but, but that all of that overlooks the fact that it is the things that are the most, the things that are the easiest to make fun of are the things that are the most sincere. That's the thing, right? The line gets very thin. At yeah, I mean, you can, you know, you can cloak all of your emotion in a bunch of, Glib witticisms and over smart lyrics. Elvis Costello. Or, you know, which is sort of a way to sort of hide yourself behind your words. Or you can, you know, be courageous and write a song like this, which, you know, opens you up to being made fun of. But I mean, you know, you know life is short. I got, I got no time for uh, no time for insincerity. Or if Saddam Hussein was saying, I am a rock. <laughs> <laughs> Coming in with a comedy haymaker out of nowhere. Sequitur Kamanan. <laughs> this is so great. And Paul Simon, I could just gush all day about Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, Paul Simon, too, but Simon and Garfunkel, man. Now, is it true? This is what I heard, that the reason they broke up is that Paul Simon smoked, and Simon didn't didn't want it. And uh, Paul said, I'm not going to quit. You mean got high? No, well, or I, smoked? I, I believe smoked back? cigarettes. See, I heard that they disagreed over the Vietnam War. Hmm. Uh... And I forget who said it. was either Simon or Garfunkel who said that. I watched an interview, and he said, we disagreed over the Vietnam War. And then he paused, and I wish I could remember who it was. And he said, one of us was for it. So who knows? I mean, uh, you know, but uh, just time, I think. Just yeah. Like the guy says, just time, I think, busts you up. What a beautiful song. I love Paul Simon. We're going to give him a big hug. Uh, Big Jim's top five teenage moping songs. Tim Riley. Number three, P.M. Dawn. I'd die without you. Well done. <laughs> Something from, you know, the past, say, 30 years. I remember listening to this in sixth grade. Oh, I had the Boomerang soundtrack, too. Oh, God. (laughs) What happened happened to these guys? I have no idea. They put out a couple of really just... It's it's this weird kind of pseudo-hippie R&B with, like, really introspective lyrics. Right. And that Casio... I remember when uh, when PM Dawn when they had those you know a couple you know they had set adrift in memory bliss and then they had looking through patient eyes and who was the big guy Prince B is that his name yeah uh, and everybody was calling him the Brian Wilson of hip hop oh so, damn that's kind of what buried them because that's you can't live up to that but it was so layered and lush and it sounds a little dated now but at the time it was such a revolutionary style of oh, production yeah. for for hip hop. Are these now? Do you have, are these songs about specific girls? Some of them? Um, not so much. I I was always just more in love with the idea of being in love with someone than I ever was right. with uh, you know any one particular girl. There was just the, the 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 sense of looking and waiting, you know, that would sort of lead me to to fall in with some songs more so than others. Where you sort of project yourself into the song and imagine... Oh, uh, absolutely, yeah. Imagine the circumstance in which the song might be specifically applicable. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. This is a great list. Big Jim's top five teenage moping songs. Tim Riley. Number two, The Seekers. Puff, The Magic Dragon. Now, is this The Seekers or is this Peter, Paul, and Mary? This is The Seekers uh, adaptation, I believe, from the, uh, from the movie. This is the saddest song ever written. Absolutely. Puff, The Magic Dragon. 
You just try to make me cry, you bastard. <laughs> I got two more. And honestly, I mean, as a kid, it's emotionally wrenching. Oh my God, it's you know? it's all coming back to me now. <laughs> I had a, I had this on a 33, and there was like the saddest picture on the back of Puff like by himself. All right, I'm not gonna cry. <laughs> he told this himself. is the saddest song. Die. He just kind of leaves. I stopped it. Are you kidding me? Do you no, not remember. know Puff the Magic Dragon? I know Puff the Magic Dragon, but I don't really remember All right. the... All right. I think it was more... She, she started with Press that memory. Like, I remember it a little... It is more my age. This is a timeless song. No, I, I understand it's a timeless song, but I think it was like... There were a lot of other children's stories. When, when I, was I was big in the 70s. I'll yeah, when I was in the 80s. Do you want to tell the story? or should You tell the story. I'll... Girls, you'll cry. I'll start to cry like a girl. You tell the story. Well, basically, there's a, there's a young lad who discovers this dragon puff. And little Jackie uh, discovers this dragon. And eventually, he, he's hunted, I believe. No, no, no. You, no, you're totally wrong. This is... Okay. Now you're forcing me to tell the story. I will remain a man as I tell the story. You can do it. It's the saddest song. It is about the, it is about the death of childhood and innocence. Jack is a little boy, Jackie Paper, and he has a, a, a magical dragon who is his friend. Not a pet, but his friend. Uh -huh. And they play and they have adventures and they fly around and they pretend they're pirates. And then one day, Jackie grows up and one day Puff sits out waiting for him to show up to play and he never does. Don't let it get you. I'm it's the saddest song that ever. That is sad. That's like the Giving Tree. I can never read that. Oh, without... it's exactly like that. I feel like the Giving Tree puts the music. <sighs> yeah, that book makes me cry See, every honestly, time. I just, I just had the story. I never actually got that deep a, of a appreciation for it. It is the death of until innocence. Until literally just now. And Puff sits there waiting for Jackie to come play, and Jackie never shows up, and Puff sadly goes into his cave and never comes out again because Jackie hasn't shown up to play because Jackie has grown up yeah. and is too old for that. Puff is unreliable. <laughs> Well, I mean, then you get older and you, you, you find out that uh, basically Puff, the magic dragon. Don't say it. Well, I mean, <laughs> there's the obvious connotation that, you know, it's, it's basically like, toke my, my dragon-shaped bong because someone broke the wizard-shaped one. Not about marijuana. That's a terrible <laughs> thing to say. By the way, I saw Peter, Paul, and Mary sing this live one time. They are the ones who made this famous. And by the way, it's not about marijuana. That's an awful urban legend. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but when I saw Peter, Paul, and Mary, they added... A final verse where, oh, no Jackie, where Jackie comes back after realizing how much he loves Puff, and then they are together again in the end because they realized that it was just traumatic to a whole generation, the song. So, all right, I choose to remember the song that way. Big Jim's Top 5 Teenage Moping Songs. Number one, Tim Riley. Well, it sounds a bit familiar to me, but it's Harry Chapin in Taxi. You damn right. This is on Tim's list. It was my number one. He told me that just before we went on the air. Too Great song, though. The master of the story song. Oh, you ain't kidding. Nobody does story songs anymore. No. Well, because most of them don't fit on the, uh, the radio, unfortunately. That's true. Can we have a radio edit of this? <laughs> Maybe just the first line and then the uh, back flap. It was raining hard. Uh, not the best uh, production of it. I needed one more fare to make my night. A lady up ahead the Now, what about this song resonates uh, with you? Oh, man. Uh, well, I actually, I had a friend of mine give me a copy of Greatest Song, uh, Greatest Stories Live right. on cassette when I was in high school. And I kind of had a thing for her. She was uh, from England, I believe. And uh, her name was Alex, which I thought was cool because she had a dude's name, but she was super smoking hot. That's, that's hot. Yeah. And then really, you know, I had this great appreciation for music. I had no uh, no idea what it was. And I sort of sat, you know, next to my stereo for the longest time. Then I got bored one afternoon. I just put it in. And I started listening to the first song and the next song. I'm just, I was captured. 
by this and became obsessed and uh, I ended up recording the, um, the, the, the behind the music on Harry Chapin and right. the, the way he dies. I'm just like, dude, you couldn't write a Greek tragedy that could you'd get close well, to Tim told thing. the story and he was on his way to a charity event. Yeah, and it was it a Volkswagen thing. It was, uh, what was it, Jeff? Volkswagen Rabbit? Yeah. A smile to and then he was hit by, what, a truck? Yeah, yeah he basically just lost power, and the truck uh, came up behind him and just took him out. Mm. All right, well done, my friend. Thank you very much. I had, to, right. I, had to, I, had to, I had to dig deep because uh, a great the, list. the people who have come in before me have uh, set the bar quite high, and I, I had to do my best. Very, very well done. Thank All you. right, Big Jim, Rock 101 KUFO. Back after this with Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. together to me, Tim. All right. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Richie, can we uh, obtain Dorothy Carson's Harry? That'd be fantastic. All right, I don't know where I put my drinking game ting. Sounds like drinking game thing. I don't know where I put that ting for the drinking game. I sent it to you again. Did you get it? All right, let me see. What, yeah, but my computer sometimes won't. Uh, my computer sometimes doesn't like to play stuff. Let's see. Here we go. That's it. So I got to edit that down and kind of take the hiss out of it. But uh, So uh, for tonight, that is going to be the sounder for the AM 970 VP debate drinking game. So later on today, uh, we will uh, create the definitive list. Probably not a very long one, but maybe like 10 items, maybe maybe fewer than that, uh, of things for, you know to which you must then take a drink tonight uh, as we air the Sarah Palin versus Joe Biden um, uh, debate 6 o'clock tonight. Running commentary by Tim Riley, Storm Large, and myself, and wraparound commentary by Jim Roop and Lisa Desjardins. And so uh, tonight, uh, this will indicate that something has happened to which you must drink. And it's tonight. There you go. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. One more. All right, there you go. So that's tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be joined by Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer here in just a skosh. This, however, is Tim Riley. And now, 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 from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. This is the most ingenious story I read today. This bank robber hires some guys on Craigslist to dress them all like him. He robs the bank and positions these, these guys all around this place to throw up the cops. And he pays them all like 28 bucks. Wait, hold on. So he knows the outfit he's going to be wearing when he robs the bank. Correct. He hires a bunch of guys in advance. For twenty-eight fifty an hour to dress like him. For thirty bucks to dress the same way. In so, Monroe, Washington. So that then the bank, when it gets robbed, is surrounded by guys all fitting his description. Absolutely. That is genius. Hail to you, sir. Now we don't advocate uh, criminality. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's uh, it's wrong to rob banks, and uh, we would never say any different. That's uh, you should not you sh you shouldn't do that. That's uh, don't do these things. Um, that being said, like really, if you're already bent on robbing a bank and there's nothing we can do to stop it, that's pretty clever and ingenious. That's a, that is sort of taking a little page out of the dark night, uh, but then sort of making it your own. I always admire guys, I have to say this, it would be dishonest to say otherwise, I kind of admire guys who can come up with new and um, sort of groundbreaking ways to rob a bank. I mean, you know what I mean? A strategy that's not just the same old, like, give me the money. You know, because invariably those are the same guys that are always robbing the bank like five seconds after they deposited something using their own name. And it worked. And it worked. So, I mean, you know, I'm not saying good for you, sir, but you know what I mean. All right, uh, more news in just a moment. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. From the National Enquirer, America's finest and most reliable newspaper, the one and only Dorothy Carcassari. Hello there. Hi. How is your day? How are things going? How's uh, how's life? My day is very crazy, as usual. No, no day is dull at the National Enquirer, I can tell you that much. What is the cause of today's craziness? 
Oh, you know, all sorts of stories happening in the headlines that we're investigating and, you know, calling up experts and calling up sources and going out. And, you know, we have Brangelina in town because, you know, I'm based in New York City. So uh, they've been kind of running around and you got to it's a full time job just to keep up with them, let Mm -hmm. alone all the other celebrities that are doing things in the news. So so Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie, do they have Sarah told me this and it didn't seem possible. Is it true they have six kids? Oh, is it six at this point? I God, think... it could be 16 at this point. <laughs> I mean, they really are. It, it's like a, they're like tribbles uh, over there in that house. They're just multiplying constantly. So, um, And so here's a question. When you say, like, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are in town, is it just like for no readily apparent reason? Or is it just like, are they just sort of always going from place to place? Is it like because one of them is filming a movie or well, something? Well, no, because Angelina's here to promote her new movie that's coming out. The premiere is on Saturday, The Changeling. Uh, wait, The Changeling? Is that the remake of the of the old horror film, The Changeling, I wonder? I'm not entirely sure. It have to be. It's the one where it disappears and comes back. Yeah, I think that's a remake of an old uh, horror film. That's weird. I don't think I've heard anything about it. Yeah, I mean, she's been getting really great reviews about it. People are talking about, you know, this is the Oscar-winning performance and that sort of thing. But uh, but we'll see when it premieres on Saturday what response it gets. Um, so what else is uh, happening in the world of the Inquirer? What other things? See, because here's, here's the thing about the Inquirer. This is... We have a, a CNN radio correspondent we talk to sometimes in Los Angeles, and I always tell him that we will sometimes talk about Los Angeles stories for this reason. What happens in Los Angeles or, or New York will then happen everywhere else within the next 18 months. I mean, the stories start there, or the public opinion or the conventional wisdom or laws start there, and then they spread to the rest of the country. And it's sort of like that with the Inquirer, where the story starts in the Inquirer, eventually everybody else in the regular media, they sort of catch up, and they're kind of late to the party. But you guys have it before, and everybody else follows your lead. So what are you guys talking about the, this week in addition well, to that? Well, a lot's been going on uh, you know, this week, and certainly a lot happened last weekend. Uh, we have a lot of stories in our issue about you know, Scarlett Johansson and Ryan, Ren- Ryan Reynolds tied the knot. You know, unfortunately, um, very sad story, Paul Newman passed away. Um, you know, we also had uh, Heather Locklear. How about that story? Uh, I'm looking at this. Did you hear about this? This DUI thing, and I can't figure out whether she looks great or awful in this mugshot. <laughs> Maybe if you got a, a Q-tip with a little bit of makeup remover and just kind of wiped around the, the bottoms of her eyes, she she might not look too horrible. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I, I should remember this from health class, but I can't. There's what I, I, I forget exactly what drug it is. It's like, it's, it's like your drugs are either really tiny or they're really big. I forget which one it is when you're high. But her eyes, I mean, first of all, they look like, like they're from some sort of anime cartoon. She's got these huge eyes, and she does look... As though she's not entirely sure of where she is at all. She looks definitely very confused. And in this week's new issue, we have a story about this, that actually what sent her off the deep end was a big fight that she had with her lover, Jack Wagner, right before her DUI arrest. Um, She was hopped up on uh, a mixture of Ambien, which is a sleep aid, you know, Vicodin, which is a painkiller, and anti-anxiety drugs. And they got into this big fight because he proposed to her. She said yes, then she changed her mind again. Might I mention this is the second time that he proposed to her. 
It's like, wow. if at first you don't succeed, try again. Is that the saying? And really, I mean, look, I'm no pharmacologist or anything, but it does seem to me that if you're uh, taking Ambien, which is a sleeping aid, an anti-anxiety thing, uh, and then you're also taking Vicodin, which just makes you tired and, and groggy, if after all that you still have the energy to get really angry and then go drive recklessly, it seems like you might have a little uh, bit of miswiring going on in your head up there. <laughs> seems like you have a, a very high tolerance to those drugs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then speaking of photos, I, I have to confess, I don't know what the story is, but I'm looking here at this picture of Shannon Doherty. I'm telling you right now, I don't mean to sound lookist or judgmental. It's not like, I mean, look, I'm on radio for a reason, not like I'm going to win any beauty pageants or anything. Shannon Doherty is aging badly and is going to continue to, and she's aging very poorly. She's going to look flat out terrible in 15 years. Wait, I have to laugh. Where are you saying this picture? Uh, it's, it's actually, I'm looking uh, right below Heather Lockler's picture at the, at the, at the website at nationalinquirer.com. Oh, okay, okay. I, I thought for a moment that you were looking at, because I know that you like to look at the cover image and then kind of guess what the stories are. Yeah. And we have Rachel Ray on the cover. So I'm thinking to myself, does he think that that's Shannon Doherty? No. Well, I'll tell you what. I know I know one thing for sure. I know Shannon Doherty isn't this very skinny person on the front. I'll tell you that. So um, yeah, so it's just, uh, you know. It, no, the very skinny person is Jennifer Love Hewitt. No, really? Yeah. I'm looking right here. Wow, that's unfortunate. <laughs> uh, that, uh, I think somebody's... Yeah, I think somebody's just on the I only think about food diet. You that have to guess. check out the suddenly skinny package because some of these photos are just uh, jaw-dropping, to Excellent. say the least. All right, the new issue uh, on stands tomorrow. As always, a pleasure, Dorothy. Have a fantastic weekend. We'll talk to you next week. You too. Thank you. Thanks. Dorothy. Bye. Dorothy Carcassera from the National Enquirer. Wonderful. Yeah, Shannon Doherty looks bad in this photo. Hair, that is not her natural hair color. That hair is dyed poorly. Like her teeth are just ridiculous. It's it's the teeth. Yeah. She looks all buck-toothed, and they're enormous. They look like big, fake, white chiclets with, like, a big space. It's like if you paid enough money to, like, get them messed with, can't you pay right. as much money to just get them fixed? Well, and these, uh, and these uh, whatever, the cheekbones, like the, you know, is that collagen or something? Mm -hmm. That that it, The implants? It, do you know, do you ever do this? Do you ever look at someone who's obviously had any, any uh, amount of plastic surgery, and it actually... It almost causes you physical pain to look at them because it looks hurty somehow. You know what I mean? I don't know if that makes any sense. When I look at Shannon Doherty in this, uh, you can see this, by the way, at nationalenquirer.com. I look at this picture of Shannon Doherty, and her cheekbones are so high, and so uh, and they look so tight. It looks like she's got golf balls underneath her eyes. You know, she's storing nuts for the winter or something. Oh, and it, Kate Jackson's another one. Yeah, and it's so taut. Yeah. And it looks painful. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, the other way, you know, here's the other thing. And this is, Tim, you can probably relate to this and Sarah. It's like when you hear someone using their voice poorly. Uh, I, I, you know, for a while I was this way with Axl Rose. I would hear Axl Rose screeching. And that guy is not a falsetto. He is, I think he's a, I think he's a, uh, uh, I think he's a tenor. Uh, and he would go, you know, ah! and shriek. And I would actually kind of go, ah. Uh, and I would sort of like reach for my throat a little bit because it hurt to listen to it. Looking at Shannon Doherty's face, it hurts to look at because there's just not enough skin for what she's trying to do there. Uh, I'm trying to think of another example. Mm, plastic surgery that hurts. Who did you just point out? Kate Jackson? Yeah. i got to look that up. I haven't seen a picture of Kate Jackson. And I always confuse her with Susan St. James anyway. All right, let's do a couple headlines here and we'll break. Tim Riley. Well, this will make you happy. A Clackamas County couple will face negligent homicide charges for failing to bring their 16-year-old son to a doctor for an illness that led to his death. Really? Wait, this is... is the kid, Neil Bigley, who died from complications of that urinary, urinary tract infection that caused his heart to stop. And this is because the parents uh, believed that Jesus didn't want him to go to a hospital? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're facing criminal charges? They are. What Does it say specifically what the charges okay, are? Let me see here. 
they put out warrants out. They put arrest warrants out on them. They uh, surrendered themselves to police and then posted bail. They will face a judge for the first time tomorrow. That is fantastic. And will be officially charged with negligent homicide. Excellent. All right. I'm going to say, you know what? Uh, I'm a uh, dyed-in-the-wool agnostic at this point in my life. I'm going to say a little prayer tonight that they uh, they go to jail and are beaten senseless. Oh, hey, I'm looking at this picture of Kate Jackson. That's bad. Yeah. That's no good. You know, she used to be, she was never really sexy to me. Cute, though. She was cute as a button. Kind of a Martha Quinn thing. Her face is all lopsided. Uh-huh. Something's in her, and misshapen. Yeah, this is, uh, this is, this is not a good, this is not a good look for her. She kind of looks a little bit like, um, uh, who am I, who am I thinking of? I want to say Chunk, or no, not Chunk, Sloth, from, from the Goonies, but that's not quite it. There's some weird misshapen face guy. I'm trying to think of it. I know it sounds horrible. Uh, well, she looks bad. Don't look at a picture of Kay Jackson. Remember her, though. Remember her the way she was. Let's do uh, two more here, and then we'll take a break. So talk about this bailout plan. What's really making it go a lot easier is everyone's got their little pork barrel projects, mm-hmm. including Oregon Senators Ron White, the Democrat, and Gordon Smith, the Republican. They are in cahoots for an excise tax exemption on a type of arrow used by child archers. The uh, cost of this proposal is $6 million over 10 years. According to Bloomberg News, it'll be worth $200,000 a year to Rose City Archery in Myrtle Point, Oregon. <laughs> really? So this is bipartisan support from Senators Wyden and Smith, a Democrat and a Republican. This is for child archers. Worth $200,000 a year to Rose City Archery in Myrtle Wait, Point, Oregon. So this is... Uh, Everyone's getting a little special favors in this. So this has been tacked on yeah. to well, the bailout. Yeah, kinds bail. of other things. Uh, uh, refund to excise taxes to Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands for rum. This is part of the bailout for Wall Street, for Cre- homeowners. Creation for a seven-year cost recovery period for construction of motorsports racetracks. You know, I should no Pro- longer... Provisions relating to film and television productions. I should no longer be angered or surprised by any of these things. But this 700... Like we've got and modification for duty suspension on wool products, wool research, and wool duty funds. So, I mean, look, I hate to be uh, whatever about this, but it's not like we have $700 billion to be throwing around anyway, right? Transportation fringe benefit to bicycle commuters. Okay. So this is uh, sort of pork that's been shoved into there to try to get people to vote for it. In other words, he wasn't going to vote for it, but if we're going to give something to youth archery ranges, mm-hmm. he might vote. So saving the American economy apparently isn't important enough. But if we but if we give money to the young people who are shooting a bow and arrow, only certain types of arrows. All right. Well, there you go. Let's These see are arrows used only by child archers. Well, Tim, if you lose child archers, you really have lost America. They're the backbone of. Uh, the backbone of our financial market. Let's also, do, uh, income averaging for amounts received in connection with the Exxon Valdez litigation didn't happen. Yeah, well, which, and which Sarah Payton... Well, never mind, never mind. All right, let's do one more story that is not this, and then we'll, then we'll break. This one's just making me too irritated. The Miley Cyrus entourage won't be the only group partying at California's Disneyland Resort this weekend. Around 30,000 members of Gay Days will also hit up the theme park for their annual celebration. Access Hollywood says members of Gay Days will be booted out of Disneyland at 5 o'clock on Sunday to accommodate the Hannah Montana star's exclusive Sweet 16 birthday bash. Why does Hannah Montana hate gays, Tim? I don't know. Uh, we got to look into it. 
the rep ads at the Teen Queen is not receiving any special treatment as the park often closes down at the request of group events. Uh, the gay days, people have no hard feelings against uh, Miley Ray Cyrus. Well, I'm I'm sure they just don't want her to catch it, Tim. Uh, oh, by the way, as we're breaking here, the CNN poll, not scientific, of course. Susan Reynolds just sent me this. There's that, you know, thing you go to CNN.com and you can vote, you know, you the you the people. Who do you think will win tonight's vice presidential debate? Senator Joe Biden, Sarah Palin, or neither? Joe Biden has 100% of the vote. Oh, no. Every single person has voted for Joe so Biden. She might surprise everybody. Well, I also am afraid like, I I'm kind of fill that bag a little. Just be like, be mentally prepared that she might do well. Manage your expectations, everyone. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we will figure out the rules for tonight's VP debate drinking game. And we're going to take a timeout. What were you doing with your hands there? I want you to tell the story about Timmy T. Tim. Oh, and Timmy T. Okay. I thought we were... T- Sorry, I thought we were taking a timeout to decide whether to kick or not. You and I need to master the sign language. All right. Back after this, the Rick Emerson Show. It's been a long time since you left me. Now behold the fuzzy glory of YouTube. This is the best quality I can find. You know, can I tell you, I actually tried to find it this morning at some more finer uh, online music stores. No one sells it. Um, yeah, I found a whole bunch of videos of this. There's this brilliant one that guy, like, singing the Singing it to the camera. But it's like... To that one special lady. And he, like, keeps getting super close to the, to the camera and you can look through his eyes half the time and the rest of the time she's his mouth. Let me tell you why. In my head, that guy looks like Chris Sneed, and I don't know why. I didn't know how much I loved you. One more time. He has a really, like, wicked Let me put my The guy who was singing it? Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about the guy in the video that was, like, leaning into the camera. For some reason, in my head, it was Chris Sneed. Yeah, well, he has, he has dark brown hair. I don't know, like, glasses and, like, you know. Oh, baby, one more try. Have I lost part of my Timmy T stuff? Wow, he is an unattractive man. Timmy T? Yeah. Yeah. He couldn't be famous today, Sarah. Well, hold on a second. Oh, I think I've lost the best part of this. Oh, wait, no, here we go. All right. So, uh, so people may or may not remember this song. So this was a song uh, in 1991. This actually went to number one. Uh, it was a number one single. Uh, the song went platinum. Sold. I used to have. To, I mean, I was a DJ when this song. I was at Top 40 Radio when that song came out. It's a huge hit. And by the way, I don't think it's a coincidence that within the same, I don't know, 12 month period, there was the Postman song by Stevie B, and then one more try by Timmy T. I mean, the very. Do we have a little? Uh, yeah. You know, and this guy vanished too. This guy never did anything else. Stevie, These songs are both so good. Stevie B and Timmy T should have toured together. They should tour together now. They could have made a play on like the initial tour. It should be Stevie B, Eric B, Timmy T. You need one more. Is there one more? Eric B, Stevie B, Timmy T. WK. No, there should be one more. I admit there's a fourth no one. Well, hey, there you go. Yeah. He's feeling it. Oh, I didn't write you this song. I was going to do it with the white man. No. 
He's, a, he's an attractive black man. That's, I mean, that was so, what was so weird about these songs is that, like they're, it's like they're they're sort of polar twins, right? It's like a it's like a photo negative, where you've got this guy doing this song, and then like his white doppelganger doing the other one. What's your heart, Sarah? Yeah, hot. Oh, it's no, not an open door. Am I ahead oh, of myself? We're both wrong. I thought it was your heart's an open door. I suck. I suck because I can't remember the lyrics to the Postman song. Anywho, so. The other song, Timmy T. So Sarah and I are both big fans of that song, but it's one of those songs that very few people remember. Thank you. I'm going to read now from this online biography that Richie found, and then we're going to have Richie tell a funny story. In 1991, the song One More Try was a very big hit, so big it's still listed in the top five songs for that year on many charts. Went platinum selling over a million copies in the United States, has achieved over three million radio plays in the United States. Eh, blah, blah, blah. Got his big break. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, let's see. I'm reading this now from some biography somewhere. Listen to this. In the wake of the phenomenal success of One More Try, future songs were overlooked, and Timmy was often unfairly labeled a one-hit wonder, Sarah. Uh, his string of hits continue with songs. What Will I Do? Cry a Million Tears. Too Young to Love You. You can hear Timmy's hit song over you. This is not Timmy Ryan. You can hear Timmy T's hit song over you on the motion picture soundtrack to The Raffle. Uh-huh. Currently hard at work on his latest, soon-to-be-released CD, Timmy continues to tour across the country singing his latest songs along with his timeless 90s hits. Gaining new fans, Sarah, everywhere he appears. All right, so... Uh, Richie, can you join us in the studio, please? All right, we have Richie oh, coming. Perfect timing. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. To be. Right. Oh, someone else, Ed. Our buddy Ed just wrote Heavy D. Oh, totally. There you go. Heavy D, Timmy T, Stevie B, Stevie B, and who was the other one? Oh, Eric B. From Eric B and Rakim. Although he might not tour by himself. So Mel C is a backup. And you call it like the alphabet tours. I went to Hello. Stevie B concert. Really? Did you? Up in Washington. Uh, was it like a radio? It was like a Z100 type thing? Uh, I think so. It was a long time ago. That seems like, oh, that almost certainly is the sort of thing that a radio station will be presenting. Yeah, you know? Hit 100 presents Stevie B, Summer Jam Slam, Upside, Talking Like a Moron. <laughs> All right. Um, so now, please to explain how it went. You didn't tell us the story. Because here's the thing. So two days ago, yesterday, we were talking about Timmy T, and I just said out of the blue, I'm like, we got to get him on the show, Richie, get Timmy T. Okay, and so then, please to now uh, describe what happened when you attempted to get Timmy T on the show. Okay, so I found his, uh, found his agent. Right. I called up his agent. Now, said, how did you find his agent? Uh, online, and then I found a publicist, and somebody else gave me the number. And right. Said, okay. Who? <laughs> and it was off. Of, and then I found the website. Right. And okay. then basically, I called the agent and said, "Hey, I'm looking for uh, booking information. We want to interview Timmy T." And she's like, "Who? This is his, this is the publicist." I really? said, "Timmy T." This is his publicist she, who says, "Who?" I hear shuffle, shuffle letter papers. <laughs> like she's looking through. Like, do I have that on my list? And then she, he's like, "Well, is, is he a singer? Because I do singers. Not, might be an actor. He might be one and call a different department or something." And I said, "No, Timmy T. One more time. I want to put my arms around you." And then she's just like, "Oh, that guy. Oh my God, I haven't booked anything for him in nine years or something." <laughs> <laughs> but he's still got a publicist, which is great, right? She's like, "Oh, uh, shuffle, 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 shuffle." She comes back and she goes, uh, "Can I get your number from you?" I 
got to look in, back in my old books and archives and files. That's somewhere. in deep storage in Jacksonville. So she called me back later that day, so it took her like three or four hours, she said she spent looking for that number. <laughs> she didn't even know who she was, and she he's on her list. I wonder if Timmy T, did you check and see if he had like a MySpace page? Uh, no. Oh, he almost certainly does. I'll guarantee he you he to. does. And everybody updates it every day. <laughs> Sorry. Timmy, Checking Timmy, in every day. Didn't he make that song with like a one at, keyboard? Added no one. Timmy T. Um... Uh, yeah, he spent 250 bucks uh, on a keyboard. He has the greatest MySpace and he got a picture I've ever record seen. With it. Yeah. Are you guys pleased what? to be looking at that? Oh, oh wow. Christian McDusherson. Wow. My hey, his birthday is September 21st. Add my song to your page. <laughs> Sweet. He, that is a douchey picture. It's totally douchey. It's like, hey, I can't get anyone to take a picture of me, but I'm Timmy T. I'm going to take a picture of my sunglasses. And oh, let's just send him a message to there because he isn't responding. And he's doing that thing of taking a picture of himself with his cell phone. You could at least spring and from... he's wearing, like, lensless glasses. Yeah. If you would like to book me for a concert appearance, please send an email with booking in the subject, and I will happily send you my agent's phone number and have them contact you. Oh, eight, no. Provided the agent remembers who you are. Is it the real Timmy T? Is this somebody pretending to be him to get chicks? <laughs> somebody trying to uh, trying to leech off the Timmy T legend? We should have Timmy Ryan and Timmy T together. I don't mean to knock Timmy T. He had a number one hit, and I didn't. But still, come on. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. I bet we could get Timmy Ryan to sing that song and redo it in rock. Timmy R. Yeah. Uh, Timmy all R. Right. So, anyway, so to summarize, <laughs> the, his publicist, who is, apparently is still a retainer, I mean, so at least he's, you know. He doesn't seem like a very nice person. I'm looking at, like, the, the way he words things well, and stuff. Well, you know, Sarah, because he was, wait, because he was unfairly labeled a one-hit wonder. Sarah. The, uh, Everything ends with the ha-ha. Does everything, what do you mean? Give me an example of everything ends with ha-ha. My retarded niece took this pic the other day. No facial hair? Ha-ha. See, I can take a silly MySpace pic with my cell phone like everyone else. Ha-ha. Why is it funny that he has no facial hair? Or that he has a retarded niece. I don't know. I've been working hard on my bod. Nice, isn't it? Ha-ha. Great. Now I, now I feel like him. Because I always go blah, 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 LOL. Blah, 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 blah. LOL. Yeah, well, you do use a lot of LOL. Maybe you should You've been meaning to kind of intervene with that. Uh, maybe you shouldn't do these things. You don't want to be like Timmy T, do you? Hey, look. See, I'm not wearing... You haven't seen my Crocs all week, Kevy. No. Um, it is only... Th- nice oh, shoes. It's Thursday. Nice are you wearing shoes? shoes? He's yeah. wearing nice shoes. I like those. Um, all right. Is well, it, Richie, are you turning Are, are you turning a new leaf? He's <laughs> becoming a man. Uh, coming out of the closet. Yeah. Oh, there's this, oh that's right. Jammin'. Uh, our sister station, Jammin'. There's a Stevie G. Uh-huh. Uh, does Stevie G, does he perform music? I think he's a DJ DJ, too. So we could have Stevie B, Stevie G, Timmy T, and Heavy D. <laughs> oh, we got to do that just so I can say that over and over again. That's so great. All right. Um, do right. we do a top five like that? No, that was with the um, song was with letters. Warren B. Isn't there? No, Warren, Warren G. G. Warren yeah. G. Okay, so there you go. No, now, we've we got too many full, of them. We need to get the full alphabet. Oh, what we need man, to do is have some, like, out. some like, Chunky A. Chunky A. Who remembers Chunky A? Yeah. Ow. And Stevie B, and then... So, Chunky A, Stevie B. Mel C. Mel C. D. Okay, Heavy we can't D. stop this. Heavy D. D. Heavy D. E. Easy E. Easy E. Oh, my God. You've got, you got to stop. You're freaking me out. What's I don't think you can get F. All I can think of is Axel F, and that's All the song. All I can think of is Mr. F. F. Uh, F. That's got Fitzgerald. F. F. All right, we can't get through. We can't. We have to come back to this. We can't okay. start doing this now. All right. And, be, and then we can, of course, end it with the, the, the monster finale, Jay-Z. Of course. Of course. There you go. All right, well, in, All right. anyway, in summation, Timmy T's publicist doesn't know who he is. And Timmy T seems like an enormous douchebag. And it took like six hours. We still have to get him on, though. It took no, like I don't s- think. No, he has not let go of his fame from who all cares? of his record. It's a platinum. But I mean, like, 
you know, I mean, like, so what? I mean, do you, I mean, do you not want him to come on and be a jerk? Is that the thing? You don't want to hear that he's a jerk? Yes. All right. Well, okay. I'll leave it up to you, sir. You okay, can choose. Look at, that's that's the kind of pictures that he has on there. Hey, hello. Hello. Okay, you guys. I, is he in, I didn't even cool. I didn't even see a guy in that picture. Did you get to get a picture with a girl like that? Wow. Richie, he ends a lot cool. of them with LOL. Okay, but look what having one hit can get for you. That Look at that girl. Is he coming to Portland? Look what having one song <laughs> can get you. Hey, wait. I know that chick. <laughs> yeah, you know, he looks like a guy. He does look like some sort of... Um, he does look kind of like a douchey Michael Bolton uh, from Office Space kind of guy who might work in the cubicle next to you and always wants to go get wasted and pick up bitches, mm-hmm. you know? Hey, do you want to go get drunk and get some sluts? That's he what that guy He looks creepy. Like, yeah. overall, he just looks like a, a real creepo. He does. Well, I'll leave it up to you. You ponder it, Sarah. You know, Richie can make anything happen, but you think on it. Maybe he's coming to Portland. He's no, not he coming to Portland. He's going nowhere. No. Um, all right. He's <laughs> got a one-way ticket to nowhere. Okay, back. Thank you, Richie. All right. Uh, should we do the debate drinking game now? Yes. All right. Well, these calls are probably all about Stevie B and Johnny D. And, <laughs> um, all right. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. I got your key word for tonight. Uh, yes. Go ahead, sir. Main Street, Wall Street, fat cats, hardworking Americans. All right. Well, hold on. Hold on. Okay. Go on a mile a minute, friend. Okay. Let me turn the page here. Hold on. So, all right, Sarah, uh, let's think of this. First of all, how many of these do we want to have? We can weed them out later, but how many do we want to have? Uh, enough to be able to keep track after you've had a few glasses of wine. Five? Five. Okay, we'll end up with five. These are either fr- either phrases. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. These are either phrases, words, or maybe things they do, like if somebody scratches their nose or, you know, whatever. Like when McCain does that thing of, like, saying the last part of a sentence over again, over again. Like that game at, um, like when you watch Jason Confused and how many times the kid touches his nose. Totally. So, all right, what is your suggestion, sir? Okay, Main Street, Wall Street, all Fat right. Cats. All right, Main Street slash Wall Street. Fat Cats is right. one. All right. Okay, hardworking Americans. Okay. White, wheat, sourdough, English muffin bagel, inside the Beltway. Bye now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. I guess I should find some music for this. Hello, hi. Hi. Hey. Uh, um, when she scrunches up her mouth and... Uh, you know, she kind of like sticks her top lip, lip out and then has the bottom lip meet it. Yeah, totally. In fact, it's while, like I, I'm thinking and I'm cute. While we're while we're doing this, let me get let me get a debate. Uh, let me get some debate music vets up here. These are from the uh, patriotic uh, music oh, collection. That uh, let's see here. Let me just. Uh, when well, you made up all that good stuff over the other day. There we go. Whenever. All right. So you're thinking whenever she does that squinching up her mouth thing. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. can I just say NKOTD? Thank you. What? what? Okay, bye. Bye. I can't. Can right. I do one? Uh, yes, let me just uh, set the stage here. So it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. So, of course, tonight's VP debate, uh, hosted by Storm Large, Tim Riley, myself, wraparound from Jim Ripley's at Desjardins. And we are putting together now the official VP debate drinking game. Tonight, you will take a drink every time blank. Sarah? My fellow Americans. Totally. All right. Uh, my fellow Americans. My fellow Americans. All right. Hello. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yes. Actually, I had a comment about a top five list. Is this an inappropriate time to mention it? Well, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll call back then. Thank you. I'll just take my cookies and go home. All right. Bye now. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Tonight, take a drink every time what? Oh, well, I want to hear the word Joe Sixpack. So so are you saying now take a drink if somebody mentions Joe Sixpack? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Joe Sixpack. And then, and then also... Sheila E, Axel F, Kenny G. Sheila E, look at you. All right, Kenny G. All right, thank you, my friend. All right, Axel F, if you'd like. All right, bye. Someone said Notorious B.I.G. Yes. Uh, It's 503-733, Sheila E. I totally forgot about that one. It's 503-733-2970. Tonight during the VP debate, uh, we're making the rules for the drinking game. Take a drink every time what? Hello. 
Hockey Mom. Hockey Mom. I wonder if she'll stay away from that one, because that one's been the object of so much ridicule. I wonder if she might have moved on from that. Well, all right, never mind. You know what she'll keep saying? Alaska. You will be wasted every time you... Alaska. Is that too easy? Is that like the economy? Is that too easy? Well, she will mention Alaska a lot. Here's the... What is going on with the phones today? All right, it's 503-733-2970. We are looking for suggestions for tonight's vice presidential debate uh, drinking game. They don't have to be about Sarah Palin, by the way, although Joe Biden's a little dull, so you know what you can do. We're looking for suggestions. Tonight, take a drink every time what? I'm saying this. Every time Sarah Palin talks about how she has executive experience. Mm. Executive experience. Executive experience. All right, uh, it's 503-733-2970. Tonight for the vice presidential uh, drinking game. What do you got? Every time they do the Bill Clinton thumb and fist thing. The thumb fist thing. That's hard to describe, but everybody knows what you're talking about. It's where you take your fist, you tilt it slightly to the right, and then you poke your thumb out a little bit as though you're pointing with your thumb. Exactly. Excellent. And you say, uh, I did not have sex with that woman. Miss Lewinsky. All right, thank you. I never asked anybody to lie. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, tonight for the drinking game, uh, what should we drink to? Uh, anytime Sarah Palin references Alaska. Alaska. Okay, right, we've got Alaska. All right, excellent. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Hi, uh, tonight, vice presidential debate drinking game. Drink every time what? Drink every time someone leaves their radio up. Hello, you're on the radio. 9-11 or terror? Terror? Okay, I can see that. 9-11 or terror? I got one more. Is the one more you hanging up? Yeah, all right, thanks. <laughs> yeah, you're very clever. Uh, hi, you're Rick Emerson Show. VP drinking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know. No, I was thinking, I'm like, I don't know. That's awful. Well, yeah. because I didn't put it together for a second. I thought it was that was one of those things when a guy calls up and he goes like, uh, you know, Timmy T just wrote, you know, a picture taken by my retarded. Well, no, I thought he was doing like a random phrase. Mr. T, cheese whiz. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick. Don't say those things. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show uh, tonight. VP drinking game. Drink every time. What? Take a drink every time Biden plagiarizes somebody. <sighs> Good for you, sir. See, I knew somebody do Biden eventually. All right. Biden plage. All right. Thank you. No All right. Uh, tonight's uh, VP uh, debate drinking game. Drink every time someone what? Says what's the real issue is. What the real issue is. All right. Tim, Come on, they'll, they'll all be hammered. I mean, isn't that their thing? When one says one thing, the other one comes back with. But the real issue is. You know, what we could make oh, these yeah. debates more interesting. Is if we, you know, what would make these debates great is if we laid out these rules ahead of time, or like Wolf Blitzer did, and then the candidates themselves had to drink every time they said something. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, if Giuliani had had to drink every time he said terror, or if Bush had had to a drink every time he says radical Islam? I mean, I could have watched him at least. All right, good suggestions. Thank you. Thank All right, you. Tim, do you have any suggestions? Main Street. Main Street. Got it. Uh, you should have to take a drink if they say Main Street. You should have to finish it if they say Main Street, Wall Street. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. VP debate drinking game. Drink every time they what? Every time Sarah Palin lactates through her power blouse. <laughs> <laughs> it's wrong to laugh at these things. Wow. That was great. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson <laughs> Show. Up. Uh, all right, thanks so much. Uh, Vice presidential debate drinking game that I drink every time they what? Well, I really wanted to use the word lactate as well, but uh, every time that they show Sarah Palin as a full body shot, obviously showing her hotness versus uh, Joe Biden. In other words, every time they try to position her using her sexuality, 
Exactly. Right. Pandering to the men. All right. Thank you. All right. Um, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Uh, VP debate tonight, uh, drinking game. Drink every time they what? Hey, is it me? Hey, oh, is this my wife? Hello, yeah. hello, hi. Okay, this is so weird, because I was going to call you off the air and suggest you do a drinking game. Of course you were. Was, yes, I was. All right. Okay, it, so so this is some that I uh, I came up with today. Joe Sixpack. Joe Sixpack. uses the term Joe Sixpack. Yes. Got it. Mentions a judicial... Sh- Judicial case besides Roe v. Wade. Oh, totally. You know she'll do that tonight. You know she will bust out like four newspapers she reads and three cases she disagrees with. Good one. And I'm sure that this already came up again, but moose or fish. No, actually, nobody. We've got Alaska, and we've got Hockey Mom, and Executive Experience, but uh, uh, moose or fish. fish. All right. Excellent. All right. Well done. Thank you. All right. Love you. Love you. Bye. All right. Bye. All right. There you go. Uh, Let's see. uh, VP debate tonight, the drinking game. Drink every time they what? Oh, I was kind of, I had a question. I had a question about lactating? Yes, what is your question? Uh, uh, are you guys going to be able to run this without the delay so we can watch it and listen at the same time? You know, people have asked that, if we're going to run it without a delay so it'll sync up with the television, and I know how Storm's shall I put this? That's, but... okay, I'm glad you said that. Uh, Storm's going to be in the studio, and not like I'm any saint either, so probably not. That is asking for trouble, so we will have oh. the delay, sadly, so. Okay, bummer, thank you. All right, so if you watch it with the TV on, it's going to look like a Hong Kong action Well, can't film. they just, most people have DVRs or TVs, so can't you pause that for 40 I seconds? I thought about it, but it only works the other way. It only works if you pause us for 40 seconds, because oh. we're 40 seconds behind. I thought about that, too. Uh, I don't think it works if you pause the TV. I think it would have to work the other way. You would have to get us 40 seconds behind. Uh, so... Yeah. Never mind. We're gonna just gonna confuse. See, but that's what I mean. I thought about it, and I if somebody right now we're forty seconds behind everybody. So, all right, let's you and I stop. If somebody knows the answer to this, but we're talking right now. This is our time. Down here, their time. If if somebody knows the answer, email us. I'm not thinking about it anymore because it'll hurt my brain. If you're right, and I hope you are, then we'll do that. Somebody think about this. Because they're listening 40 seconds in the stop. You have to stop. I don't know. Okay. Because then you do like a T2 time travel thing, and it hurts your brain. Somebody figure this out at home. If we're on a 40-second delay, in other words, we say something here, you hear it 40 seconds later. Can we sync this up using DVR technology? Now, we're all going to stop <laughs> thinking about it. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. VP debate tonight, drinking game. Drink every time they watch. Every time, sir. I'll have to get back to you on that. All right, thank you. All right. Uh, I'll do, like, one more bank. We're metal on metal here. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. VP drinking game. Rick, it would work to to uh, think it the way you're trying to. So let me understand this. If we have people pause their DVR by 40 seconds exactly, it will sync up theoretically with what we're doing? Yeah, so you're still going to look like a, a poor Japanese subtitled film because it'll never go right on. But you're saying theoretically speaking. Absolutely. You're positive about this. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. No offense, but we're going to have to get a second opinion. And the two words I wanted to ha- hear uh, were... One has already said the Joe Sixpack. The other is God. Oh, God. Oh, good one. Yeah, they'll both do that. All right. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, VP debate drinking game. Drink every time they what? When Joe Biden says, Sarah, you ignorant slut. Yeah. Yeah. If only. If wishing made it so. Why do I have to have the same name as her? Hi, you're you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Drink every time they what? Palin says, the average American, Joe. The average American or Washington elite. All yes. Right. All right. Two more. Thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Drink every time they what? I was thinking every time Sarah Palin shifts her glasses, 
Or every time uh, Biden gives a sarcastic smile. Every time, how about this? Every time Biden, you Biden. How about every time you can see Biden uh, just choking back some uh, yes. mean, snippy, blunt thing he wants to say but feels like he shouldn't. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. Yep. Final call. Uh, vice presidential debate tonight. Drinking game. Pause your DVR for 40 seconds, please. All right. Well, we do one more then because we can't go out. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. For the love of God, tonight's debate. Drinking game. Uh, something about Alaska being more extreme than the rest of the country. More extreme. You mean like an energy drink? Oh, like more, you know, it's it's, it's secluded from America, the rest of the right. continental, and it's, you know, it's so cold. And it's, and, it's, and you can see Russia. Yeah, yeah, you can see Russia from her house. All right. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. All right, there you go. All right, we'll take a break. Back after this with Tim Riley, uh, who brings us more news from the Ministry of Truth and so forth. We're still looking for a second opinion, uh, this whole uh, business of pausing your DVR for 40 seconds. So you... I can't think about it because I did it for like for like five minutes the other night. I thought about it, and that was after a cup of coffee in the morning, and I still couldn't get a handle on it. It's like that whole thing of like, why did Reese need to come back to save Sarah Connor? Because obviously she was already saved. I mean, come on now. Uh, back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. Hello, Tim Riley. Well, hello. All right, we'll have more news here in a moment. Have you seen this thing? It's it's school kids in Nebraska singing a song about Barack Obama. I have not. All right. I haven't previewed it. I mean, it appears to be legitimate, if awful. All right. Uh, am I up over there? I'm going to play a little bit of this, and then we're going to have Matt Green come in and answer this uh, DVR question. We're going to spread free. Obama's gonna change it. Obama's gonna leave. This is terrifying, by the way. That is so creepy. It's a little girl. She's about seven. She's wearing a big shirt that says hope. Oh, God. Freedom. We're gonna change it. She's, of course, missing her, her front teeth because that makes her precocious. We're gonna change the world. Who would make their children do this? The piano player. They're all in front of a big O banner, that thing with the... Why hasn't somebody done a putting on your O face thing with Obama? You know what I mean? Because it's tacky. Oh. I mean, come on. Somebody should totally get the Obama logo and then Photoshop that office space guy's head above it and be all like, oh. Come on, that's funny. Idiots would buy that. And there are plenty of them. I can't understand any of the lyrics here, but it's a bunch of school children all dressed in Hope shirts... And, of course, the obligatory over-enthusiastic, cracked-out teacher leading them. And then they're doing enthusiastic hand signs, like they're raising their hands like a sunshine sort of a thing. All right. Well, this isn't intelligible enough to be. It's awful. All right. Uh, uh, okay. And now, though, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Washington Mutual, almost three weeks before federal regulators seize the bank, will not, repeat, will not accept severance pay. 
A spokesman for Alan Fishman says he doesn't think the FDIC would allow him to take severance payments under his contract. A spokesman also tells the Seattle Times Fishman wasn't planning on taking severance pay anyway. Oh, sure. He wouldn't <laughs> comment on whether he was keeping a $7.5 million signing bonus, though. I, I don't, yeah. I don't want that dirty old money. Except for the $7.5 million. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Somali pirate spokesman. No, this isn't a baseball team. These are actual, actual pirates. Assassin's Group will not release a hijacked Ukrainian cargo ship loaded with ammunition for less than $20 million. The pirates will never reduce the ransom of the Ukrainian freighter loaded with 33 Soviet-designed tanks and other weapons. It was seized up the, uh, the central coast of Somalia. Uh, I'm sorry, go on. No, that's the end of the story. Uh, Richie Bristol, can we? Uh, can you let Matt Green, though, if, if Matt's available for a moment, we'd like to uh, speak to Engineer Matt Green. That would be fantastic. All right, here's Tim Riley. Barack Obama now leads John McCain 49% to 40%. This is according to the newest CBS News poll. Does it say nationwide ranking? It does. All right. New York Oh, CBS News New York Times survey. It also is also lead by uh, nine points in another poll. So uh, Then we have... Well, I had something else here that I lost. Oh, here it is. Two JetBlue pilots have been charged with counts of theft. And another felony battery after allegedly attacked a Miami cab driver over a $9 fare over a ride from a Fort Lauderdale strip club to a subway restaurant. The pilots allegedly attacked the cab driver around 2 a.m. They were picked up at the Solid Gold Strip Club and then asked to be taken to subway. When he dropped them off, they began arguing over the $9 fare. The men walked away from the cab without paying. The cabbie got out of his car and demanded payment, but they got angry and said something like, Who do you think we are, tourists? The man hit the cabbie on the head, then got more violent. They kicked and punched the cab driver in the head and face. He has a concussion, uh, broken ankle, and bruises. Oh, somebody has clarification on this Obama song. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. You know, I was listening to that, that god-awful children's tape. You really got to watch the video. The video is just so much more horrifying because you can see this whole classroom of brainwashed children you being know, ordered think... uh, undoubtedly by their teacher to do this because she wants attention, and they're doing like synchronized like arm motion, sort of like an age of Aquarius kind of a thing. Oh dear God! Okay, this is a this is a total red state disinformation effort, and their design their the design is to send people running and screaming away from anything Obama related. I it really I, if, if you would have enough exposure to this thing, it might actually have that uh, it might actually have that. Uh, that effect. It really is. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. It's just cringe-inducing. So I'm sorry. The first half measure of that was enough exposure for me. All right. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Richie Bristol? Um, uh, did you hear my thing about Matt? I know he's kind of busy, so if it doesn't work, let me know. But... All right. Thanks. Uh, yeah, he's busy wiring a thing. Some sort of doomsday device. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. I got a comment about the Obama song, yes, too. Uh, just for fun, take out Obama and put in, like, Jesus or Rajneesh or something like that, and you got a cult. Raj, Rajneesh. There aren't enough songs about... And what? And where are the songs about the great god Ganesh? I mean, come go. on, really. And where are the songs about Cthulhu? <laughs> All right, thank you. Not a problem. Right, bye. Uh, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, engineer extraordinaire Matt Green. Hello, sir. Hello, everyone. Uh, Tim, Sarah. Hello. Hello. Uh, first of all, uh, wire fans in the house want to know that you are sort of an engineering version of Lester Freeman. Just You just have that same kind of bearing, which is a good thing, by the way. Okay, good. I was uh, going to say, yeah. No, 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 he's a great guy. The Lester Freeman thing is lost on me. I no, no. Personally. He's, uh, and... No, he's, uh, he plays a homicide detective on The Wire, oh, okay. uh, but, uh, he's supreme, but he's, he sort of has a very uh, strong sense of center. 
You know, sort of a calm, quiet confidence and knowledge. Why would you think that about me? Well, because, I mean, because, you know, you, you may be crazy and threaten people, but it's uh, not around <laughs> us and not toward us. So, you know, whatever. You probably have doomsday devices at home. I mean, engineers always do. This is because you guys behave yourselves. Well, if you didn't, well, who knows? Well, we, we try to set ourselves uh, <laughs> apart and above, sir. Uh, okay, so here's a question. So tonight, well, first of all, let me clarify a couple of things. Here, AM 970, we are on a 40-second delay, yes? Correct. 40-second delay. Uh, so tonight we are going to be doing running commentary on the vice presidential debate. Tim Riley, Storm Large, myself. Mm -hmm. Lots of people watching at home on that their television. So my question is, if we wait until the debate is actually started, it is rolling, and if we on the air, we kind of count down and we tell everybody on the count of three to pause their DVR for 40 seconds and then start again, will we be synchronized? That would be true if there were no other delays in the system. But remember, we're taking it from CNN, and from them it goes oh, up that's on the satellite and comes back down. Ah, that's true. So, so there's going to be some satellite propagation. What if we're all watching the same TV channel? What if we're all watching CNN? Not that they shouldn't watch CBS, because they should. But mm -hmm. theoretically, what if we're all watching CNN? In other words, they're getting the same TV delay. Now, Brian Jones is here. Don't forget about <laughs> Janet Jackson. I'm sorry? Don't forget about Janet Jackson. Is she on the program is tonight? She, is she one of our commentators? <laughs> if she is, you can be guaranteed the TV networks will be in delay. That oh, is true. Oh, we have, we have Storm Large here. Well, so, that's a good, so that's a good question. So, I mean, do the, do, what if the TV networks have their own delay? Mm -hmm. And if so, then would it be necessary to, to all for everybody to be watching the same channel we were? So, in other words, if we were watching CNN. Do, right? we, know, do we know anybody at any of the TV stations in town? Uh, well, do we know or do are we liked by? Because those are two very different things. We know lots We're of people. Not given the time of day. By no. You. no, we know lots of people who don't talk to us. In other words, put us in the but, back of the but, room. But so let me ask you this. So basically, so in here, if we're watching CNN TV, uh, and then if everybody is watching, you know, the social us is watching CNN TV, and if they then pause their DVRs for forty seconds, theoretically, would it be caught up? Because they, we would all have the same television delay, and then the audio from the station would be synced up. Am I wrong about that? I, I think you're right well, at that point. It's it's hard to say because you got to remember that the the profanity rules apply to the people who hold the broadcast lines, right, not sure. the network. Right. So my guess is that there's a pool feed. Everybody takes right. the same feed. Right. CNN, NBC, CBS, everybody will take the same feed from the floor for right. the debate. Sure. My guess is that they don't have a delay from the feed from the... Um, from the, from, the from St. Louis, from okay. St. Louis University, but that the individual stations or the individual broadcast networks may have. But that's my question. So, but if we're all watching, in other words, if we are watching CNN, the network, and if the audience is watching CNN, theoretically, we would all have the same amount of delay as far as the television feed goes, right? This seems like such a simple thing. Sarah and I were talking about this. Doesn't it seem like it's a simple thing, but it's just breaking my brain in half? And I know that the audience right now is screaming and hitting the radio with they're a changing full, the channel with a fist. <laughs> oh no, no, no! This is exactly the sort of thing the audience likes. But I'll tell you right now, like Mr. Hand, Mr. Fist, into the radio because they're all going. Well, of course it's blah 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 blah. So, so in other words, then the only delay issue would be our delay on the radio, which we should be able to solve by pausing a DVR for 40 seconds. True. So that is true. I so, think that's true. So in that's other words, take. if we're all watching the same network and then they pause their DVRs for 40 seconds, then 
our commentary will be synced up with their video. That would that would be. Is there anything theory. false about what I've just said? Well, again, we don't control. Uh, Am I going to lose my allowance if we're wrong? <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, look, if they're going to be wrong, it's nowhere no worse off than we were before. Because up to like ten minutes ago, when some guy goes, "What if we just pause our TiVo?" I assumed we couldn't do it. So, all right. So, but uh, that's a tentative I'm gonna, yes. I'm try and find out. Oh, hold on. Who are we calling? Uh, our friend, my my friends. You don't have any friends uh, <laughs> at Coin TV. All right. Well, but see, but but again, doesn't it? But that almost doesn't matter. As long as we're all watching the same channel, it doesn't matter if they have a delay. As long as we're all watching the same channel. So, so before I go asking them questions, which channel are you telling them to watch? CNN. Oh, they're going to love this. <laughs> we should take a break. Let's take a break. All right. Back after this, it is the uh, Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. My brain hurts. I know. It still doesn't make sense. I'm just going to be done with the fact that we can't figure it out. That was my thing. It's like, no, nah, never mind. All right. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, time for an Instapoll, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we kind of did a sort of high-concept thing earlier, although we didn't do our actual high-concept topic. Again, we'll tomorrow, maybe. Uh, it is time for Rick Emerson Instapoll. That's 503-733-2970. By the way, if you're on hold now, we'll go ahead and get your calls, because you know there's a 40-second delay that has to go before people hear me saying there's an Instapoll. Um, oh, don't even talk about delays. My head hurts. Uh, so today's uh, Instapoll question. Uh, so bottom line, who's going to come out ahead tonight? Uh, Joe Biden or Sarah Palin? Uh, we want your predictions. If there is a winner tonight, even if it's by a nose, who's it going to be? Uh, Sarah Palin or Joe Biden? Who did they say won the presidential debate? Was it a draw? Um, it, everybody said it was more or less a draw. That There was no real clear winner. Like a lot of people, I gave it to McCain on points. And substance, I gave it to Obama on general tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, McCain seemed smarter and to know more, but Obama seemed to have uh, there was more confidence, delivered it, uh, you know, in a, in a much better fashion. So, um, but it was very, very close. Like I said, McCain only on points, Obama on delivery. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, love, I just like listening to Obama's voice. Yeah, no, he's that's the thing is that he does convey intelligence, uh, whereas McCain conveys a sort of knowledge of facts, but he doesn't really convey a mastery of the situation. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Is this Instapol or something else? Something else. What do you got? Uh, there's only one problem with your whole delay thing. Oh God, what is it? Storm is going to mess it up by dropping profanity. Oh God, that's true. To... If we ever have to use the delay, then we're oh, screwed. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, damn you, damn you! Thank you. Oh. No. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Aaron in the coop. Yeah. Um, real quick, let me make this easy for you. First of all, there's no one-size-fits-all thing. There's going to be, like, a difference between satellite and cable. Right. But here, right. here's the basis, all right? Okay. It's the delay coming from the TV broadcast source right. is less than 40 seconds. It will work. Period. All right. People will be able to adjust accordingly, but it will work. Hurts my head. All right, thank you, sir. Bye now. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Is this for the Instapol? Yes. All right, so it begins. The Instapol, who will come out the winner tonight? Sarah Palin, Joe Biden. Go. Joe Biden. All right. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. It's 503 Instapol, who will win tonight's vice presidential debate? Go. Uh, Biden will win, but we'll all lose. Thank you. No statement was ever more true. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Instapoll, who wins tonight's debate, Sarah Palin or Joe Biden? By a landslide, Joe Biden. All right, thank you. I wonder if people are just projecting wishful thinking. I think that's what it is. It's a whole lot of saying Beetlejuice three times and hoping it appears. 
Uh, it's 503-733-2970. The Rick Emerson Instant Poll. Who will win tonight's debate, Sarah Palin or Joe Biden? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Sarah X. Palin. Okay, there you go. <gasps> oh, you should totally do it for Halloween. Sarah X. Palin. No, I can't even bring myself Come to on! No, you already know what I'm going to dress as. I do, but I mean, you can only ever do it this year. You can't ever do it again. This is the only year you can do that. I'm just mm. saying, don't 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 dismiss that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Uh, hello, uh, who wins tonight's presidential debate? Uh, Joe Biden. Okay, thanks. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Instapoll. Who will win tonight's vice presidential debate? I'm just going to say Palin because no one else has. All right, thank you. There you go. Um, uh, so, oh, by the way, so Sarah, where do you stand on this? Um, I don't know. I'd rather not say. I don't want to throw because I don't know. Because I really don't want Sarah Palin to win, and I'm afraid that she's going to, and the whole thing is just really stressing me out. Okay, fair enough. All right, you're going to recuse yourself this time. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to put anything out there yet. I don't want, right. I don't want to put it out in the atmosphere. No, fair enough. All right, uh, Rick Emerson, Instapol. Who will win tonight's vice presidential debate? Hockey mom. All right. Who will win? Thank you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Who will win tonight's debate? Hello. You're on a radio station. Never mind. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Who will win tonight's debate? Joe Biden. All right, there you go. Thank you. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Who will win tonight's debate? Hello? <laughs> yes, hi. You're on the air, sir. Yes, okay, sorry. Um, well, Biden won't win it, but uh, Palin will lose it. That's not an answer. It is, sort of. Well... <laughs> If Biden will win if he just keeps his mouth shut and let Palin step in it. All right. He doesn't have to do anything to win. All right. He just has to hold his position. Exactly. Excellent. All right. Exactly. Thank, thank you, sir. Three oh, more. Interesting accent. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Who will win tonight's vice presidential debate? I couldn't figure it was fake or not. Uh, who will win tonight? TFA. This is me glaring at the phone. Yeah, okay. Two more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Who will win tonight's vice presidential debate? It matters not who will win tonight's debate. Either way, your planet is doomed. Okay. Final call. <laughs> I, that was actually even funnier with the less of... Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Who will win tonight's debate? We all come out winners when Rick gets a hold of the sound. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much. All right. Uh, my prediction, Biden by a nose, but only a nose. Uh, Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah Dillon for AM 970. The talk on the newsroom, Tim Riley, and the phones, Richard Bristol, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, director of engineering, Brian Jones, CBS Radio, Portland marketing guru, Susan Don't Happy to Me Reynolds. We want to thank Dorothy Costasari, Big Jim, uh, Lisa Desjardins, and Bob Costantini. Uh, join us tonight at 6 p.m. for the debate with myself, Tim Riley, Storm Large. Like us next, and see y'all uh, tomorrow at 10 for the recap, 11 for the show. Thanks for listening. What's up for Smokes? Bye. from Alaska. She is a typical white person.